Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Back from the Borderline. I'm your host, Molly, and I don't want to talk to your personality. I want to talk to your soul. The idea of alchemy is to reduce something with fire, burning it down so that something new can rise from the ashes. You can do this with your personality too. You can perform emotional alchemy. You've always had the power, you just didn't know it. And now you do. On this podcast, you'll learn to view your symptoms as saviors, as alerts from your body, mind, and spirit they want to let you know when you're out of alignment with the deepest yearnings of your soul. From chaos comes clarity. Through working with and integrating the concepts we'll explore together, you'll emerge transformed, standing in the ashes of the person you used to be. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. If you are new, welcome for your very first episode because this is going to be a really special one. Long-term listeners of the podcast know that depth psychology, the work of Carl Jung, and also studying esotericism and different forms of spirituality have basically been the major keys of my recovery path because a huge element of what was keeping me in the really dark places I was in was the chronic feelings of emptiness I was experiencing and a deep, profound lack of meaning in my life. And studying all of these different topics has provided me with a structure for meaning. And along with this podcast, I have an Instagram where I share different quotes and memes and I've been running this page for 
well over two and a half, three years now. And since I really started diving into depth psychology and different forms of spirituality and esotericism, I have made friends with other creators on Instagram who are doing similar things and diving into similar niche topics, many of whom you will have already heard as previous guests if you are a more regular listener. Today's episode is less of an interview and more of a meeting of the minds and epic rabbit hole deep dive fun conversation with my friend Michael and I. Michael runs a YouTube channel and podcast called Third Eye Drops and per his about page, He says, Third Eye Drops is a media vessel dedicated to philosophy, psychology, spirituality, meaning, and adventure, both physical and mental. The vast majority of Michael's episodes are deep dives with prominent psychologists, philosophers, artists, and spiritual teachers. And if you're a fan of Back from the Borderline, discovering Michael's channel will be like, a whole new world open to you because you know that feeling when you're already a fan of a podcast and then you find something that is very similar but they have a whole host of new content that you can dive into well you're welcome because michael's podcast is going to be just that for you if you go to his youtube he just does beautiful jobs editing his videos not only does he have interviews with all these other incredible teachers artists philosophers He does solo episodes, and these are really beautifully curated and researched, edited explorations of concepts, mainly about depth psychology and the work of Carl Jung. So for example, just a few days ago, he released this incredible deep dive on individuation, which is, you know, Carl Jung's idea of becoming a more whole version of yourself. We talk a little bit about individuation also on this episode and the conversation you're going to be hearing today. A couple of weeks ago, and if you're listening to this in the future, none of these dates are going to matter. The time of recording this is December 11th, 2023. Um, A couple of weeks ago, end of November 2023, I was also a guest on Michael's podcast. So when you go to his YouTube channel, you can find our episode together and I will link that in the episode description. So just in case after listening to this deep dive with us, you wanna hear even more of us chatting about these concepts. Typically with my interviews, I edit them in a really pristine way. I take out the filler words, I take out pauses, I make them a little more snappy. But with this particular conversation, I didn't do any editing. So you're gonna hear Michael and I get really excited. I cannot contain my interrupting. (laughs) We both sometimes talk over each other, but I feel like that's part of the magic of this conversation because we are so excited and it really is just like listening in on two friends having a really deep chat about these incredible subjects that we're both so passionate about. So the decision to not edit this was a creative choice that I made. And I think when you listen, you will be happy that I did so. And you'll find that it preserves the magic of the chat. 
So when Michael and I were talking initially, we were like, what should the theme of this episode be? And we initially decided we were going to talk about synchronicity. And many of you are familiar with what synchronicity is, but just to jog your memory, synchronicity is the meaningful coincidence or alignment of events that aren't causally related, but are perceived as having a significant connection, often associated with a sense of meaning or purpose. Many of us have had synchronistic occurrences in our lives and they're happening all the time, whether we're aware of it or not. And synchronicity is a topic that's closely related to Carl Jung. And so that's what we were initially wanting to talk about. And I had a list of questions that were mainly just about synchronicity. But what happened was, is that this conversation went down the most amazing rabbit hole, where we talk all about synchronicity, archetypes, Western esotericism, dream interpretation, symbolism, and our own spiritual journeys. And we really go down some of these really interesting pathways. And I think what you'll find is by the end of this very long conversation, everything really is much more deeply connected and full of meaning than we give it credit for. Now, because this conversation just has such a flow to it, I thought that we would take care of the sponsorship shoutouts and quick ad break right here at the top. Part of what helps me continue making some of my content available for free is through the support of my sponsors, as well as dynamically placed ads that are slotted in similar like what you hear on YouTube that are selected by my podcast host. I don't have control over what they slot in, it just happens. And the revenue from these ads helps me continue making content for you for free. My two sponsors that I'll be shouting out are really close to my heart. They are companies that I work with personally and they've made a big impact on my life. The first one is Jung Platform, which is an online platform that contains an abundance of incredible courses that explore Jungian depth psychology, all facilitated by some of the best in the game. I've taken a couple of their courses myself, one being that of active imagination and another one all about Jungian interpretation of the tarot cards, both taught by Dr. Ken James. You can get 10% off your first course by visiting my website backfromtheborderline.com, clicking into my link tree, and then clicking the link that takes you to Young Platform, which is a specific link, and using the code MOLLY10. My second sponsor is Pure Spectrum CBD. They are a small family-owned company based out of Evergreen, Colorado. They take what they do very seriously and their products are top-notch, so much so that they've worked with some really prominent sporting bodies, including the CrossFit Games. This company came to me because one of my long-term listeners actually works for them, so this partnership is even more special to me. So if you'd like to get a discount off your first order, you can also find that stuff right through my website. Click the Peer Spectrum CBD link and you will receive your discount. My two favorite products of theirs are 
their CBD cream, which really helps me with some of the back pain I experience during my menstrual cycle. And speaking of menstrual cycle, something I also struggle with is serious insomnia right before my period. And they have a nighttime CBD, CBN tincture that is just chef's kiss. It helps me fall asleep and stay asleep when I absolutely cannot during those, you know, seven to eight nights every single month. <laughs> the joys, the joys of menstruation, my friends. Anyway, now that we've gotten that out of the way, I am going to pause. We're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear a few dynamically placed ads, which you can listen to or skip over, do whatever you want. And then we're going to dive straight in to my conversation with Michael. We were chit-chatting so much. We had an hour-long discussion before we even hit record. So when you hear everything fade in, it's just going to basically fade in like we've already just been chatting and you're just going to be dropped right into our conversation. So enjoy. I hope it'll feel like you're sitting down with two friends that are just talking about concepts that you don't often hear in mainstream society right now. And because of that, we can all feel pretty lonely and empty. So it's my hope that this conversation can fill you with a sense of meaning and maybe even give you some inspiration for some rabbit holes that you can go down yourself because you are in the front seat of your own hero's journey. So without further ado, let's dive into this tiny little ad break and then we'll jump straight into my conversation with Michael Phillip, the host of Third Eye Drops. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss i first placed it with matcha but oh yeah i think we talked about that last time i love love matcha too i was i lived in japan for a while so i've got oh that's cool big big love for the matcha Mm -hmm. somehow that doesn't surprise me you strike me as someone who would have lived in japan makes sense and that's a compliment that was vague because i'm such a a an otaku no, I feel nerd. Like, no, no. I feel like you would do well in that culture because I feel like you, you're very respectful of learning new things. I just feel like not every American would... You're American, right? You're not Canadian. Who can are say? Are you Canadian? Who can are, say? No, but which no, are I'm, you? I'm American. I'm American. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. I never know because sometimes I'll just immediately assume someone's American and then they are just a Canadian who don't say a boot. Yeah, a boot. Yeah. <laughs> um, who... Um, I've had this guy, I know we're recording now, but yeah. um, I've done a few or a couple pods with this guy, Max Darrett, 
who um, mm -hmm. you'd probably really like his YouTube because um, I know you play some games. I'm not sure how much of a gamer you are, but he does a lot of videos about like esoteric symbolism in games. Oh, sick. Um, and he's a faceless YouTuber, but he has a like a strong Canadian. Amazing. Uh, a bootness a boot him. Oh my God. I love really Zaz is uh, from Montreal. And so mm -hmm. like he doesn't, he doesn't really have an, an accent as much, but when he does say certain things, I say, I laugh at it every time. And then eventually I had to be like, you have to stop laughing at the way he talks. Yeah. I just find it so funny. Like yeah. my best friend, Melanie is also like from Toronto. And I say, she's also, she says, sorry, it just sounds like Degrassi whenever she talks. And I just it's, love it so much. I wonder where that, like, why? I mean, I, I guess you can know. ask that about any kind of affect that comes from any yeah. region. It's the same thing with like super weird. Southern people, yeah, right? right. It, it came from like German influence, I think. But, uh, I don't know. There's a long history there. Anyway, I'm actually just making shit up. Should we talk about synchronicity now? <laughs> we can talk about it. It's all synchronous. I, I could actually tie this into synchronicity if you wanted yeah, me to try. I bet. Because I bet. Because so when we talk about someone like Jung, mm -hmm. we're talking about someone who is trying their best to be a cartographer of the unseen parts of psyche, right? Mm -hmm. And when you mm -hmm. see some of these things, cultural or whatever they are, seeping into physical reality, and you start to ask the question, where does that come from? Yeah. How is it possible that it's so pervasive and like everybody just unthinkingly does this same thing? Yeah. Like accents, for instance. Everyone is just unthinkingly in a similar region talking in a similar way. Unless yeah. they're mindfully addressing, I don't want to sound like this, so I'm going to watch these inflections and stuff but otherwise there is this what seems like a spirit sort of presiding over these areas and of course mm -hmm. it's like blurry boundaries it's a gradient it's not like you instantly go around the corner and now everybody's speaking like in a 180 degree different kind of way but this all ties back into this idea that there are these unseen forces that we could call psychical forces that mm -hmm. are exerting some level of control over people's behaviors and over the things people do. And when you start asking questions about what that realm is, uh, how it's influencing you, what its influence looks like, mm -hmm. you're eventually going to arrive at topics like synchronicity because you're dissolving this psychophysical boundary between the, the whatever that is, the there and the here. And then you slowly start to realize that the there and the here are not actually separated. And in moments where you see them flash in front of you in an undeniable way, that in a lot of ways is what a synchronicity is, right? Because it's like the psychophysical, like I can't think, I want to move that lens cap right now and like make mm -hmm. it move. I can't do it. But sometimes exactly what you think happens in the world at that exact moment, and that's a synchronicity. And the line between how those things happen is extremely mm. strange and nebulous and intriguing, but it seems to exist. Um, it seems to exist in ways that are quite interesting and troubling. And that's why uh, Jung became obsessed with it, I guess. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> And, that, hopefully that's a good and no, that's uh, it. Let's just cut the episode. We we know we all know about it now. We just we defined it all. Think about well, it. <laughs> and then read Ponder synchronicity and a causal connecting principle and then cry <laughs> because it's like doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, 
everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I have a special guest. And why don't you just introduce yourself, Michael, to the oh, listeners man. for those. I know this is everybody's least favorite part. You don't have to be too in-depth, but just share who you are and like what kind of stuff you're passionate about with your work. Well, I guess you've already said my name, so mm -hmm. I get to bypass that. But yeah, I've been wonder dipping in a similar vein for a very long time. Um, my media vessel is called Third Eye Drops, and it is mostly a podcast where I have guests on. Um, in the last year and change-ish, I've been doing more bespoke solo explorations of topics like synchronicity for instance i made a couple videos on that um you know the shadow other uh, archetypes various jungian fair but also other things that are more esoteric and mythopoetic and i just have a sort of unquenched desire to continue exploring these questions in a way that has kind of possessed me and taken over my life similar to molly i quit my day job like a year ago um and that's that's all i'm doing so it's a it was it was a destined it was a destined mind meld for, it was for, for us i think and for listeners that haven't uh checked it out yet i was also on third eye drops a few weeks ago i mean by at least at the time of recording i'm not sure when i'm going to drop this episode but it's uh december now um and when Michael and I were talking, and we've had many off-air conversations, we just got done with a whole one hour deep dive yeah. of rabbit hole, rabbit hole stuff. So we've already been talking for an hour. And the reason why he's on today, and we thought, you know, I know a lot of the listeners are pretty early in their spiritual journey, but the response to depth psychological stuff and spirituality from a really integrated point of view from a, a more esoteric landscape mystical landscape or a viewpoint rather not a landscape that's been people have been really responsive to it and i think that's a commentary on the times people are really not driving with fundamental religion and you're seeing people mm -hmm. people are very open-minded to these concepts because they see my listeners are all struggling with sense of self, um, emotion regulation, and also just a sense of meaning. And these topics provide that. They help us understand ourselves better. They allow us to find meaning in our lives in a really, a way I think that also allows you to maintain your sovereignty. You don't feel like you're yeah. um, going down the rabbit hole, but enough of that for me. What we thought a good topic for my michael to start off with is the topic of synchronicity because we've i have mentioned synchronicity before yeah. all over my podcast but i've never done an episode about it so michael for yeah. listeners who might be new to the subject or concept of synchronicity can you provide an overview of what it is and maybe even like especially in the the context of jungian psychology for sure for sure yeah and and i share that recognition that this is a topic that really intrigues people. I think this might have been my first video that like really started blowing up and catching the algorithm because there's something about synchronicity that just really evokes people's curiosity. And I think because it's one of those portals that you can directly point to as the way I've been taught to think about reality 
doesn't jive with what I think the possibilities are. And synchronicity is a prime example of how that manifests right before you in a way that's extremely difficult to dismiss. And just, I mean, I, I gave a little bit of an overview, but I'll try to give a little bit more, I guess, of an academic definition, even though this isn't like a uh, really an academic topic, I guess, is those moments of spooky interconnection where it seems like the boundary between the physical world and the psychical world just vanishes for a moment. And you feel that your mind is connected to the outside world in some kind of undeniable way. And there's so many examples of this when it comes to like, um, I've heard some people break it up into like simple or complex synchronicities. And I would think like a, a simple synchronicity would be something like, I'm driving, I'm listening to a song, in the song they say fire and i look up at the billboard in front of me and it's like there's a picture of fire on the billboard and you're like what the hell just happened um and then it can get extremely multifaceted and complex where multiple people are involved multiple events are involved um i have one story that's my go-to because it was so brain melting that it by far stands above any other synchronicity that I've had. And you may or may not know this story, but um, I can tell it if you want like an example of what I think a complex yeah. synchronicity is. Yes. So I'll try to make it not too lengthy. But in 2019, a good friend of mine, uh, Colin Frangicetto, and I decided we were going to go to Peru and do ayahuasca for the first time. And we were both very nervous about it. Um, both he even more so than me is pretty, uh, experienced in this realm of, uh, psychedelic mind alteration. I'm fair to say my feet were wet as well by this point, And I'd had some very significant experiences, but I was still very, very intimidated by, by doing this because it's international travel. It's working with real shamans. It's multiple days in a row of what everybody says is like the most intense experiences you can have. So it's just a, a journey in, in every conceivable way, right? Like you, you don't, it's kind of like you, you're headed toward a giant question mark that, you know, the answer is brain melt. Can it just, your brain's going to be melted. So he's coming from Portland at the times where he lived. I was coming from Chicago and I met O'Hare. He, I think he was already on his the first leg of his flight. Um, and we're texting back and forth about like, man, like, can't wait to connect with you. I'm nervous. So we're supposed to meet up in um in Lima, Peru, and then take the last leg of the flight to Iquitos, which is if anybody listening ever wants to go to the place that's the most like that um that scene in Star Wars where they go to the bar and there's like all the weird aliens and you know, uh the fight breaks out the cantina, whatever it's called. Iquitos feels like that. It's this really crazy, bustling, dirty, multicultural city on the edge of the Amazon. And there's like these, these like um, little motorbikes everywhere, like these motorbike taxis. It's just a crazy place. Like the like vibe Mad is crazy. Max. It's yeah, it's, it's such a crazy vibe because it's like this dirty city 
but it's all surrounded by just like endless rainforest. So there's like the the native influence, tons of people go there for, you know, quote unquote, shamanistic tourism or ayahuasca tourism. But then there's like all the locals who are trying to like make a buck. They might try to kind of like swindle you or rip you off or it's just it's just a crazy vibe there. Very, very chaotic. So we were glad to be like arriving there together and not, you know, have to make our own way because neither one of us really speaks Spanish, whatever. So he's on his way. I'm about to board my flight. I'm waiting at the gate. People start boarding right before um, my section gets called. They just say this flight has been canceled. And I'm like, shit, okay. So I'm just kind of scrambling. I'm like, I'm going to run to the customer service because I don't know, like, if I don't get on this flight, I don't know what's going to happen. So I run and I'm there for like at least an hour. And oh, that stuff is so stressful. I know. That just gives me secondhand hand anxiety. I know. And the woman there, it's basically an hour of, the, of her going, Hmm. No, oh no. Mm, no, that's not gonna work. Like that that whole kind of thing. And you're just feeling like you're just like clenching your yeah. like butt cheeks the whole time, like 100%. praying, like, please God, please. A hundred percent. And so long story short on that part, I end up having to stay overnight in Chicago. They promised me we're gonna get you on a flight the next morning. You're gonna change your route, but you're still gonna make it to a ketos by the time you need to make it. So I'm explaining all this to Colin. I'm like, dude sucks and he's nervous and i'm nervous um and then he tells me hey this is going to be just sound kind of random but my wife just told me about this technique that she uses when she's feeling anxious where she closes her eyes and she imagines roses growing all around her and these roses are protecting her and like she's just basically in like a forest field of roses and he's like wow that's really beautiful yeah I don't know where that comes from, or I guess I should ask him, but so I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So he's like, I've been doing that. And it's like, it's really helping me. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm meanwhile, just kind of like looking for a hotel and they're telling me like, oh, you can get a discount on a hotel, but we're not going to pay for it because it's a weather related event, but call this number. So it's like a, days in or something that they're going to give me and i'm like (laughs) you know this sucks and it wasn't even cheap so i was like i'm just going to book my own hotel so i book a place i'm like oh this looks nice it's really close to the airport i'm going to stay here so i get on the shuttle i'm going there um i sit down at the bar i order some food um not drinking because you're on dieta before um this whole thing where you're trying to sort of cleanse yourself (laughs) yeah no drinking no sex no junk Mm. food all this stuff yeah. So I'm sitting at the bar um, ordering the Wishing food. Wishing you could get a drink. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And um, Colin starts sending, he he must have just got off his flight because all these texts are coming through. And he's like, dude, the weirdest fucking thing just happened to me. I was doing the rose meditation and I open my eyes and he sends me pictures of this person and I can send them to you, Molly, if you want. Oh my God. Um it's like I open my eyes and there's a dude standing in front of me. His suitcase is covered in roses. His arm is covered in rose tattoos. Oh my his God. His neck and the side of his head are covered in roses. And he's like, and I'm just like, almost like cry laughing. And as I'm reading this, Molly, everything in my brain is like, like my body is almost like shaking and I just feel like I'm melting. 
because the name of the hotel that I randomly chose is the Rose Hotel. No. And and on my menu right in front of me is a big like just in big font embossed the word Rose. No. And, and I don't even I don't even say anything to Colin at this point. I just take a picture of my menu and I'm like what is happening right now? Oh. What is happening right now? And the thing is, yeah. You know the thing well that's also I think one thing for me about synchronicities is you know when it means something. It's like I'm taking a dream tending course from Dr. Steven Eisenstadt now. And he said another yeah. thing like with dream interpretation, he's like, if a dream, if you wake up from a dream and it feels important, you know, yeah. or like one element, it it keeps standing out in your mind, like take note of it because that is literally your higher self, your holy guardian angel, whatever you want to call it. That is a, yeah. something is literally saying this is big, like look mm -hmm. at this, you know, and so you feel it inside yeah. and yeah. nobody else can feel that it's like trying to describe the flavor of an orange or something in writing you if you bite into it, it's a very different yeah. experience yeah there's this idea that's talked about um and we're gonna go from entry level to some extremely archaic oh, fuck. I, i'll keep it i'll keep it simple i'll keep it simple i'll keep it simple i was like um, don't worry guys we're gonna be um, very very beginner and michael's like let's go there's let's this go idea i've heard um, a lot of Platonists talk about Plotinus, Pro Proclus. Um, there, there's a couple, but but anyway, complete sidebar to everybody. If mm -hmm. if you really want to go down an almost endlessly deep rabbit hole of some of history's greatest thinkers and where a lot of these ideas that eventually inform Jung and all mm -hmm. this esoteric stuff comes from, it's Platonism. Platonism, yep. that whole line of thinkers is yeah. just brilliant unbelievable nugget after nugget of life-changing wisdom and they but truly anyway, married science with yes. with with uh mysticism and yes. and now where it's don't you feel like it's coming full circle though that stuff is now coming back around slightly in certain but, yeah. in a very niche niche way it's not mainstream yet but for people like you and me it for sure is and <laughs> yeah, it may I was just like, be maybe like a, sometimes like, i think it's because i just swim in these areas and, and it may be like it's almost like archetypally where if you if you start looking for these answers, you're going to end up there and realize, yeah. oh, these people yeah. have were doing this for thousands of years already. But there's this idea that they describe where you actually only have one true sense. Like we think you have, you know, five senses, sight, smell, taste, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. They have this idea that, no, no, you have those when you're in a body, but you actually have one sense and your soul has this sort of like, all sense mm -hmm. and if you mm -hmm. feel you can feel glimpses of that in like altered states yep. and i think when you have like a very 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 strong intuition about something or you know whatever you'll feel that you'll start to feel yeah. this sort of like <clears throat> whole body quaking like whoa like i don't even have the barometer for what this is but i know that it's like extremely important and and that was one of those moments where it's just like undeniable holy shit what is happening right now like this this is this equation displays so much logic mm -hmm. and it just by every barometer that i'm aware of it can't be possible but it's possible so what do you think happening. that the the this particular more complex security what was your intuition telling you that it was meaning i mean it's just funny because you know you know how it is like you you start to 
get into some of these spiritual ideas and you're really enamored at first and you're learning these new words and new concepts and it all seems so like novel and sexy and then after a while you're just kind of like yeah i get this whole aesthetic now it's not like it's it's a there's a lot of aesthetic spirituality out there but it's mm -hmm. i don't know if it's really real but then all of a sudden you have it's an like experience the angel like number that. stuff right four, oh four, yeah, four. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And we and we can get into that too i and, definitely want to um you might not like my answer or some listeners might not like my answer but um, I, oh i mean the thing about it is like and then we can go into more detail into it like all about being dialectical like if 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 you see like for example i will say the number three for example mm -hmm, has mm -hmm. always been very like it means something to me and yeah. so i sometimes will see threes at places and it's so especially because three is so important when i see it repeated because i know about numerology i know that like the more times it's repeated it's like very powerful and at least supposedly hey it means something to me so like if that pops up that particular number i'm like ooh, i take note of that but then you see yeah. people saying 11 11 make a wish one one right, one right, you right, know right, like right, right. everything can get a little bit like you're you're assigning meaning mm -hmm. in not being totally integrated totally. you know yeah yeah you don't if you're a critically thinking person and you really want truth you start to realize that i'm corrupting this with my own bias and i'm looking for these things to a point where it's not true randomness it's way too much of me grasping or groping for this thing to be um the case but what, what but to finish the previous thought like all that stuff that it becomes cheesy every once in an extreme great while all of that feels like it actually happened to you like you know um for ex for instance people telling me um you know as soon as you decided to go on this trip that's when the real uh that's when the real um journey started that's when the ceremony started and you're like okay you know but then that kind of stuff happens and you're like whoa i think kind of just by going on these kinds of how do i put this when when you decide to do something disruptive to your life Mm -hmm. and you give yourself over directly to some kind of mystery and some kind we we're talking about this before the pod molly like yeah. where you're like i don't know if this is the right thing to do i'm just going to do it and this trip yeah. was one of those things for me where i was like i feel like i want to shake things up i want to have a literal a yolo experience. moment right right and as soon as you do that it seems like something and I don't want to make this sound like every time this always happens. Yeah, it really yeah, doesn't. Yeah, yeah. But no. sometimes the trickster comes out to play and it's like, oh, uh -huh. you're on this journey now, huh? Yeah. Well, here we go. And and it was it was so trickstery, Ma. Like you asked me, like, what do I think the meaning was in this one? Mm -hmm. It's almost like the perfect like Hermes trickster moment because it's you're doing something very veil and border transcending by deciding i want to go um on this trip literally mm -hmm. across a border i want to transcend the border of whatever's going on when i ingest ayahuasca you're doing all of these different border transcending things and then it's almost like that energy is like oh you want to transcend borders do you 
well, how about I literally inhibit you from being able to go across the border you want to go, but then I also give you this other thing that you didn't even ask for. And it was almost like a weird little preamble to what that experience wound up being because it's mm -hmm. like you have these ideas about what spiritual growth is, what psychological growth is, what the higher self, whatever it is. And your idea is never what it ends up being. And you always get this medicine or knowledge or whatever that at first you might not like. And it's just yeah. like, I, I didn't ask for this. And it's like, it's well, you did. It's always like that. Right. I agree. Right. I agree. And yeah. you may know that, um, I don't even know if I want to go here yet because this is so esoteric and weird and, yeah. and deep. But the being that or archetype that presided over this phenomenon of synchronicity more than anything else for Jung was that trickster Hermes uh -huh. Mercury archetype. Uh -huh. um, and there's this insane quote in Psychology and Alchemy by Jung where he attempts to describe what that archetype is and i mean we alchemy is a whole different rabbit hole and i won't even like try to yeah. but it's very it's very relevant to this at the same time though mm -hmm. and long story short to paraphrase that archetype can manifest in your life and in the psyche <clears throat> in absolutely funhouse mirror type ways where you will be absolutely certain that this is distinct from this this is not the same as this but then you get to an end point and you yeah. realize that that thing that was appearing before you in like 50 different ways was all one thing and it was appearing before you in that way because it needed to to get yeah. you to some destination and when you get to that destination it's a moment where it's just like an undeniable oh shit! i was led to this moment like i i had no control like it i decided it brings up like the fate versus yes. like free will stuff a little bit, right? It really does. And that's just such another very, very rich, deep topic that we could talk yeah. about for hours. And yeah, as long as you I'm reading go, a book, go, I'm but... reading a book um, by Liz Green, like one of my like five, well, the amount of bookmarks I have in random books right now gives me anxiety to think about, but I'm reading this book by her. She's an astrologer, but also a depth yeah. psychologist. And it's all about fate. And mm -hmm. like, you know, do we really have free will? To what extent do we have it and stuff? And that that is certainly a rabbit hole. Um, and I I recommend that book, by the way. My I actually have a it, the next question really ties this together, I think. Um it, really. I wrote down how did Carl Jung introduce the and develop the concept of synchronicity in his work, and how does it differ from more conventional ideas of cause and effect? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, better better to keep a leash on me, or I will just absolutely. No, um, I think it's great. Ramble. I'll have a light leash. I'm letting you go off, but then yeah. I'm, when I'm pulling us back, this yeah, this is and, fine. And this ties back in. I mean, it, it can we can easily just go straight back here because for young, like, he, it really is a full circle kind oh, of yeah. moment with this question. Because there is there there is one interconnecting idea, and I guess we should. Uh, I'll get I'll get there with this point, which is yeah, Jung already had a lot of strange experiences i mean i could i could list them off he, you know he he talks about a lot, even though i said that synchronicity and a causal connecting principle book 
doesn't make sense it's it's mainly like the second section that is like impossible to wrap your mind around but um when he's just introducing the topic it's like he has these examples of very similar moments of of to the rose synchronicity where um you know i could give these examples or people could just look them up but one really famous one is the golden scarab example um there's another example with fish that he talks about that are just why don't you tell the golden scarab sure. example because yeah. uh, like i think that would be because because what i maybe think listeners could understand is like what why is young so closely related to synchronicity right and this yeah. example i think is such a good um good one for sure yeah so this is similar in that it's this multifaceted thing where timing was just impeccable and preposterous and he, he was working with this woman um who was a new patient or, or maybe newer patient i don't remember how long but he was having a lot of difficulty getting past her analytical mind she wanted to she wanted to always keep her hands on the wheel and there's so much about jung's technique and philosophy that's about getting underneath that so that you can see yeah which we were also talking about right, before yeah. the podcast <laughs> right and he just couldn't do it and one day she comes in and she starts talking about this dream that she had a a sense that it was important for some reason where like a golden scarab featured very heavily in this dream so she's talking about the scarab and Jung's mind is already going because he's like oh this is a very archetypally powerful symbol. symbol and you know yeah. cross cultures especially Egypt and whatever whatever mm -hmm. and then he starts hearing this tapping on the window as she's talking and he's just like what what is that and he tries to ignore it and then he looks again and decides to go over to the window and I don't even recall if he knew it was at the window when he went over there but he you know or or if it just flew in, I, the details. No, are I right literally now, I remember so distinctly that he felt like the tapping. It's almost like it was knocking, and he went and it was like waiting there almost, okay. like it had knocked on the. Don't quote me on that, but I feel yeah. like when I read about that, it was like he just heard something tapping on the window, and he went, and it's like the fuck. Right. So he opens the window, and it's like a, a the closest thing basically that exists to a golden scarab, like this scarabid beetle that has this like reflective you know mm -hmm. light sort of quality to it and almost like a pearlescent he, kind of yeah right yeah so then he it, it goes in his hand apparently and he walks over and shows it to her and he's like is this your beetle or is this your scarab or whatever and he said that's the moment that essentially broke through her analytical mind and made her realize there's so much more this this interconnection is real like i can't dismiss it with my analytical mind like there is this there there are these strange connections that we can't Explain, it was a basically. literal aha moment and that's why i've talked about this on the podcast too it's like you can learn all of the therapy techniques all the emotion regulation skills everything but nothing shifts you out of like it's almost like rocket fuel to like take you from like square one to square four in like a in like an overnight yeah. when you have one of these moments especially when you're struggling with meaning and you're in that empty listless state and you're just like over controlling at least that happened for me when i had synchronicities i've had a couple that have done that for me where i was they were so rattling that i was just like what the um yeah. to put it very my one of them very succinctly was and this was when i was actively suicidal it was really bad when i was living in la and i had zero when i say 
I was so agnostic. I, I would love, to, I've always thought like I would love to have what people have that are very spiritual, but I had just seen so much messed up stuff. And I had seen people use religion in such like divisive yeah. ways. Predatory I, ways even. Yeah. yeah. And then when I saw new age stuff, it just seemed so culty like the stuff. Yeah. So I didn't know anything about dub psychology or esoterica and stuff. Um, when I was little, I was always drawn to ancient Egypt stuff, which should have given me a hint right there. Right. I was kind of already being led there. Mm -hmm. But um, so I just was like, I had no framework of meaning. And I was so plugged into LA and the music industry and watching Real Housewives on Bravo. And, you know, just, I was so just disconnected and um, in a really dark place. And my grandmother, who is very close, like she's probably my favorite person ever, um, she got really sick and she passed away. And it was about three months after my grandpa, I'm, I might, the framework might be weird, but let's just say it was less than a year after my grandfather took his own wow. life. Wow. And so, and it was like a failed suicide. And Ooh. it was just, when I say, and it was right after he had gotten put in a nursing home. And so when I say that it was just the most traumatic thing and I wasn't there for any of it. So I felt like really guilty that I couldn't be mm -hmm. there for my mom because this was both her parents just in a row. And so my grandma passed away. My grandma was super Catholic. And when I say my mom, my grandma loved the Virgin Mary. She had like a very special connection to that. And she also loved angels and she loved all mm -hmm. the different, the names, like she would tell me all about the different kinds of angels. And she always had all of her pictures i have a few back behind me that were in her That's house cool. that are that are angels and cherubs and all these things and she would tell me when i was little like your guardian angel is looking out for you and now that i've like dived deep in the holy guardian angel i'm like it has a yeah. whole thing she would just do, keep do your listeners know about that um, no, they don't okay. i'll have to do that's that's probably a night night bitch episode Ooh, but it's it's, yeah. it's deep so but she would always tell me my guardian angels like watching out for you. She would tell me that like little sounds were angels. So like, and I felt so at the time as a child, so protected by that. Like I loved that. It was very cozy knowledge. It made me feel a lot better than like going to church and hearing about like, you're going to hell if you lie, mm -hmm. that whole kind of thing. So I witnessed like the sweet element of my grandma's spirituality. But anyways, fast forward to immediately after my grandma died, and I just kept getting barraged with angel, 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 angel wow. references out the ass. Like I'm talking about like billboards, songs, seeing it, the words popping out at me to the point that it was so pervasive because when I say I was so deeply suicidal, I was so just in the worst mental place. I was having chronic autoimmune stuff because mm -hmm. I was sick from breast implants. Like I was just not doing well. And so it was just a barrage and I just couldn't ignore it. And the thing that tied it all together, I have one of my best friends, Katie, um, who I met when I, like we've been friends for more than 10 years now. She's in London, but we continued to talk every day when I was in LA and she has, uh, so one day she texts me out of the blue and she says, Hey angel, never on earth has she ever called me that like it's not right. if if she had always done that then it's like whatever i've still never she's never said it to me again like and 
then I told, I literally just started breaking down and crying when, when I saw that text, because I just knew, and again, it's like a lightning bolt. Like I felt something and I was like, oh my God, like this is, I didn't know yeah. the word synchronicity. I just was like, hmm. what the fuck is going on? Yeah, Something's going on here. And it gave me a little more life. I was still really sad. I was still really sick, but it's almost like it gave me some life because I'm like, this is interesting. I'm now, my interest is peaked. Right. I don't feel so listless. And then I, I opened up and told Katie all about all the angel things. And she was like, holy shit. And then it continued. And so she was the only person I ever told. And so she's very, she's a really good friend. And I, every time I would see something angel related, I would like take a picture yeah. of it and just like share her. But anyway, that's very long winded, but it's just another example of like, when that happened, that I pulled myself out then. It's when I, I started getting help. I really started, I applied for graduate school. I stopped doing sex work, which is what I was doing at the time, like just sugar baby stuff. I was doing everything I could that like wasn't actually having to do the deed. Like when I say that I was so good at being a sugar baby that would just like bounce out right before intimacy was required. I don't even know what that is. I've never heard oh, of this before. It is, uh, well, lucky you. It's basically just, um, being a kind of like companion for a really rich guy and they pay for your time essentially. Oh, wow. Okay. Crazy. And it's, I didn't know this. Well, good. I'm glad for you because it was <laughs> not a great time, but I was broke and it's cause yeah. like it was after my music manager and my lawyer all dropped me because I tried to call them out on sexual harassment kind of stuff. It was a really, so all that was going on. Are you and, a musician? Uh, yeah, I was literally oh, I in LA this. trying to get a, a regular, like a, I never wanted to be a performer, but I really wanted to do songwriting. So oh, I was cool. trying to get a deal so that I could be a writer. Um, Did I tell you I grew up playing in bands too? No. Yeah, that's I played. Cool. I played in a band up until like twenty seventeen, probably. Oh, that's but, fucking yeah. cool. I mean, that doesn't yeah. surprise me either because I think that it, creatives are drawn to yeah. this kind of stuff and. That's why so many of my listeners, they're so creative. The emails that I get from listeners, I've emailed them back a couple of times and I've been like, have you ever considered like writing a, a blog or a Substack because yeah. you articulated yourself so well? Um, anyway, a massive, I digress, my bad. My next question for you. I, I, wanna, I wanna do a, real, yeah, a really quick comment. sidebar too because as I've gotten deeper into some of this stuff and like the book that I told you to read that we both read that sort of feeds into, I, I don't know how directly you wanna talk about this on the pod, but mm -hmm. after reading that kind of stuff and some of the stuff that I've been into personally in terms of like trying to build my own rituals and thinking about how music can be a agent toward accomplishing that has really inspired me to start like playing guitar again a lot like mm -hmm. ev every time i pick it up now i think about it as a little a little bit like there's only one purpose behind like me playing this and it's like for you and like you when i say for you like i think you know what i mean yes. but um yeah. uh yeah so like sort of the just muse, viewing the hga yes right yes <laughs> yes 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 so yeah. That Yeah, and that kind of stuff, as irrational and strange as it may sound to someone who doesn't know what we're talking about, or even someone who's like, what the hell? And they look into it and they start seeing what the yeah. where this idea comes from and who talks about it. They yeah. might think that this is so weird and out of context. And trust me when I say that it may not make sense now, but, but you can very rationally and through like 
a progression of either introducing yourself to and absorbing certain ideas or maybe going crazy yeah <laughs> um it's just going to be like an, an inevitable sort of like thing that you're like i think this is i think this makes sense now alice in um, wonderland really comes to mind ooh, when you talk about yeah. that because because it is true like the thing is is that you can stay out in the exoteric world and but mm -hmm. the, but if you do go down the rabbit hole like you start to if you don't just kind of agree to participate in some of the craziness and just like dive in, you can yeah. lose your mind a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to realize that you have to kind of lose. It's like we, again, we talked about this before we started recording that, what did you say? You kind of have to like lose your mind a little bit. And I can't remember how you phrased well, it. it. You certainly really have good. to turn off your rational mind at a certain point and just like yeah. give yourself over to whatever the practice you decide to do is or ritual you decide to do because you know so and and this is a synchronicity ties into this too because what's so compelling about them is it's a moment where you don't feel like you have control like your yeah your rational mind and and your outer world are being seemingly orthogonally penetrated by something else that you're like what yeah. is this like I, this is not me this is not the outer this is like showing external agency being exerted onto this moment and it seems to apply to me directly like yeah. that's the that's the other big piece of the synchronicity definition i left out is that it has to be a personally significant thing that would normally have to be chalked up to coincidence but there's too much intention seeming intention embedded into it to be just coincidence like yeah. you know what are the odds all of those things stacked up for jung and the scarab and the woman or me and colin yeah. and the roses it's like it's too much and there's and you know not everybody has these super complex examples but i've talked to enough people that do have these super complex examples that it's like yeah there's I really think you have to do some kind of bending over backwards sorts of reductionism, you know, cr crazy materialist reductionist contortion to acts. All of it. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, I already forgot if there was a question underpinning there wasn't. that, that I, that I uh, <laughs> left behind at this point. You didn't. You didn't. But, uh, but the, so if you, if you just kind of continue following, Jung's relationship to this idea you know he he went in multiple phases he worked uh very closely with this physicist named Wolfgang Pauli and Wolfgang Pauli um ended up winning a Nobel Prize eventually but just to underscore his brilliance but he had a very hard life interpersonally and he um eventually seek therapy from Jung and I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if Jung rejected him at first, but like Jung didn't take himself on, take him on personally himself at first. He like referred him to someone else, and that person, I forget who they were, worked with him and started doing a lot of dream work with him. And then eventually he got passed back over to Jung as someone who had very, very good dream recall and was very plugged into his dreams. And Pauli and Jung wound up having this very long uh professional like patient and um you know psychi psychiatrist psychologist therapist it's like a plato socrates situation kind of yeah kind but of. It, but at first it was like a very patient you know oriented 
um, uh-huh. relationship. But he, it's almost like he saw the potential in him, right? Yes. And started yeah, kind yeah. of like And saw that him. he had a kind of brilliance that he didn't have. Like he had uh-huh. this mathematical physics brilliance and that was very real. And yeah. so then they started corresponding and there's all these letters you can read between Jung and Pauli that are in, now in a book called Adam and Archetype. But it's it's a deep read. I mean, there's it, it's it's sort of like yeah, not ima- for the faint of heart. Yeah, like imagine you know th- these people have scholarly level knowledge of what at the time was very cutting edge quantum physics, and you know th- they're they're doing kind of like what Molly and I sloppily do in podcasts by comparison, <laughs> where it's like this kind of reminds me of Plato's Timaeus when he talks yeah. about this. So they're they're doing that kind of stuff on a really sophisticated level. Um, and there's a lot of just, you know, speculation, but it's interesting. And you can see that there was this kernel of starting to try to figure out, is there some scientific basis by which we could connect physics and like what we know about reality and and science to whatever this phenomena that we call synchronicity is? Mm-hmm. And the short answer is they didn't really get there, like not really, but there's some there's some more intriguing um ideas I could get into that are a little bit uh not technical but they require a, like a few a few steps so maybe let's not go there yet yeah I think that people um, might start uh sweating a bit if we uh dive into any kind of uh, physics discussions yeah right yet. yeah but the thing about stuff like that though I feel like for me that's not how I'm wired um but I always told myself that I was too stupid to understand something like physics and mm-hmm. the thing is is that if you start just kind of reading and uh especially tuning into people that talk about physics through a more esoteric lens and like kind of blends these ideas even just exposing yourself to conversations and i have like i don't know have you ever heard of kurt jai mungle he's so i follow he actually sent me an email which no is shit. Yeah. He'd be yeah. a great guest for you. But you know, for the listeners, he has a podcast called Theories of Everything. I think that's what his podcast is called. Yep. When I say that I would say like 70% of some of his episodes, like I do not fucking understand anything that's going on. When I say he has like the most the most brilliant mathematical and like astrophysicists and all sorts of people on his podcast, yeah. listening to that actually and i don't do it a lot i'll probably listen to an episode like once a month or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. but just and they're long as hell right. um which how can you not have long episodes when you're talking about these kinds of things uh but as someone who had knew nothing about it just exposing myself to the conversations and then starting to hear the threads it's like just what we did with philosophy or anything you start to pick up on certain things and you're like yeah. ah yep okay that makes sense and you can just kind of it starts I guess what I'm trying to say is don't let yourself be too scared by mm-hmm. uh, diving into the listener. Uh, don't let yourself yeah. be scared by diving in because speaking as someone who was like, I'm not touching that shit with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Yeah. You're more and mathematically you know, wired, aren't you? Like, no, not really. No? I mean, I did, I did work in a technical job um, before quitting, but that's really not how my, my personality is interesting is okay. built. No, I never was like excelling in math or like yeah. technical, not at all. I was um, so I, like, bad at it. Yeah. I struggle. I mean, in getting my undergraduate, you know, I had to do, mm-hmm. um, it's the only, like I got a C in math. Like I was, a, yeah. I'm an overworking perfectionist. So I was so proud that I had only ever gotten right. A's yeah. and I won C was math in college. 
Mm-hmm. And that was by the grace. It was almost a D when I say yeah. that. Did you did you ever have to take um like any formal sentential logic stuff? What the fuck is that? Oh god. That <laughs> oh, will no. Uh, no. Just looking at it will make you want to puke. But essentially cool. what it is is it's like um I I had to satisfy, you know, for undergrad like a for a formal logic requirement and it was either a statistics class or it was like Ew philosophical i had to take logic. statistics that's right. the thing that is the thing that i right. almost failed is was a stats class yeah. i hated so, it with such a burning passion yeah yeah and so my body i, I was re- rejecting oh, my yeah. presence S- in that same. class no i'm the same way i'm the same way and you know now that i'm getting more into things like platonism and i'm seeing math for for what it i think it actually is which actually again does tie into synchronicity and maybe we'll get there maybe we won't but um but yeah no sentential logic is sort of like formalizing arguments in a way that they can be written down like equations or you can do proofs and it's like you might get a a proposition and it's like you know connect this to this and you have to be able to logically and it's all like you know it looks like a math equation and but if you weren't familiar with the symbols you'd be you wouldn't understand like you know oh this is like an if and only if symbol and this is a both and symbol and this is a whatever so you're arranging these logical ideas in actual equations and it it, it is absolutely brain melting and i really really struggled with it but at the same time when you start to get it you also kind of feel like you're like peeling back some kind of veil and you're like oh holy shit this is starting to make sense but i was always at that this is starting to make sense phase i was never like crushing it in that class by any means and it's very um, theoretical too physics like yeah. which i like because it's much more um what's the, like metaphorical certain because they're all just theorizing right like nobody right. actually knows there are certain concrete things i think that they've proven potentially in the realm i'm not saying nothing's proven but i think that's why once i started learning that i'm like oh this isn't like the math and science I learned in school, which was like, sit down, do this worksheet. Like it's it's interesting conversations. And that's why I think listening to people talk about it, that were very passionate about it. Then you, instead of a middle America uh, teacher who basically like, you know, I'm not saying that all teachers in middle America aren't passionate about what they do, but I think speaking uh, from experience, when I graduated, I was like, well, I guess I can be a teacher or I can be a nurse because there wasn't much to do in my small town and there was no remote work. So some people understandably just end up in careers that they're not very passionate about. And I think that that really can make people and kids in school that are so like wanting to go deep into things that they turn out to be labeled as like bad students because mm-hmm. their thirst, their like intellectual thirst is and creative thirst is just not quenched by no. the setup in public school systems. My brain does not work that way. Like Me and neither. I've known I've known that I have a different kind of mind from mm-hmm. early on. And I hated school. It's like, yeah, I, I'm I'm left-handed. I'm like this mythopoetic really I'm a lefty too. Fucking yeah. weird, Molly. Yeah, Fucking yeah, weird. yep. I'm a um, lefty. Yeah, that's crazy. Lefty but um, power. yeah, apparently. Except we're for on, if you're writing we're, in a we're definitely notebook. we're definitely fuck on that. We're, we're de- yeah, fuck that. We're definitely <laughs> on some kind of left hand path. Also, M- no, maybe speak that for yourself. <laughs> maybe that's some kind of weird, uh, weird, uh, weird correspondence uh, thing about. Oh well, what what do you take that to mean? 
Well, I'm saying it for listeners who may have heard that phrase and be like, okay, so Molly and Michael are practicing demonic magic or something. I mean, the left-hand path, what do you think? that Maybe the left-hand path is more, it's a do what thou wilt kind of situation. Well, Campbell Campbell, um, equates it to the right-hand path is essentially, like, yeah, you could take that all the way to the extreme, which is like the dark, satanic, you know, occult. But um, Joseph Campbell basically talks about how the left-hand path is the esoteric path the right-hand path is the exoteric so path. it's uh so, i see it's the hidden yeah. in so and if it's you're, one of those it, words that's been deliberately right. uh demonized to scare yeah. people right yeah so i would honestly argue that the hero's journey in and of itself is, is actually path. the left-hand path in, in any kind of way that that functions because the the right hand path is like i'm satisfied with what the world is offering like the job the religion the family the whatever like that the truman show that's the right hand path the left hand path is like i don't know like something doesn't feel right this doesn't feel like you know there's more i want to i want to know i want to like look behind whatever veils i can uncover yeah um and, and i like that i like that that is great that's actually really really uh something that i'd never thought of before yeah and having like grown up in roughly the punk rock like indie music scene that like appeals to me way more Uh like were you an emo person oh yeah for sure oh my god so is zaz zaz is just like king emo when i say that and don't get me wrong i also loved emo like I think that I've broken my vocal cords trying to scream Ohio is for lovers many, yeah, yeah. many times. It's yeah, one of the best songs. Yeah, ever. I was in I was like in a post hardcore band. So that Incredible. was like my my uh my thing. Incredible. Too. But, um but yeah, what so but we can connect again, we can connect all this, not all of it, but I, we can connect a decent amount of this back to where we left off with synchronicity because when Jung and Polly started trying to see if they could square the circle of the psychophysical and seeing, okay we have this emerging weird field that maybe relies on a conscious observer collapsing a wave function called quantum theory. Like maybe now we have this missing piece that could explain synchronicity. Like I, as the individual, am the observer and I am somehow entangling with this thing in the outside world. And maybe that's what what I perceive to be a synchronicity is. It's like I am somehow entangled with this phenomenon is that the whole the universe experiencing itself situation very similar yeah like some interpretations so a, a lot of people who are way more knowledgeable about this than i am do not like any kind of like conscious observation um wave collapse type of interpretation of quantum physics but there are very smart people with phds that mm. have lived and do live currently that do think that consciousness could have a role in to play in in this uh so kurt jai mungle on theories mm-hmm. of everything i it popped up in my youtube algorithm the other day and hit, of course it's the clickbaity kind of like t- title yeah. but he's he interviewed this guy and I, his name escapes me now but it said the the title said like this is the man with the world's highest iq oh yeah i've, I've been seeing those those have thumbnails too it? yeah we probably okay. have a very similar algorithm so yeah i know my algorithm is an interesting place i fucked it up the other day by like i uh i know that like if i went and got a diagnosis i could definitely be diagnosed as being autistic and on the spectrum and so i made anybody the big could. Mis- 
I know. I made I made the big mistake of looking up because I was so overwhelmed, you know, and we've talked about this, you know, because we've just my personal life. And I searched for a video on uh, overwhelm. And the first thing that popped up was like autism and women and overwhelm. So I clicked on it and oh my God, I had to go in and like, do not recommend my whole rhythm. Just my whole algorithm was complete autism mm -hmm. just instantly. It just goes to show, you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. how, cause before it was just, it was the best like chef's kiss. My algorithm was so good and I had it trained to all, to show me such good stuff. But anyways, massive uh, digression there. This episode of theories of everything, this guy who's supposedly the smartest man in the world. And he's a, a I think a quantum physicist and he was basically making the argument. So the, the world's smartest man said the words like God is real, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Right. And he explained it in the most in-depth way. And Kurjai Mungal, who's also an incredibly intelligent person was uh, kind of saying that he, after speaking to all these people, he sort of believed this as well. So I'm going like, if, literally quantum physicists some of the the literally the smartest human beings and we could go on and on about how accurate our iq tests and all that stuff i'm where i think both yeah. michael and i are conscious of that but regardless this is a very fucking smart dude yeah. and he's coming out and saying like god is real like and obviously he has a much more it's not like the god at and jesus at the church that you're gonna see in right. your your average church but he hearing that just makes you go we need to pay attention to this stuff, you right. know, like it's oh, so yeah. important. I don't know why I went on that tangent, but no, yeah. I, because yeah, it's, it's definitely relevant because we're, I think everybody hits this place where they think that you, you have to be simple minded to believe in God or you yes. have to be simple minded to believe there's some kind of teleology or underlining design to reality and you know, nope, Stephen Hawking says the universe can exist without God. God is not necessary. Yeah. It's it's a it's an appeal to magic. It's not mm -hmm. real. But then you realize that there are these intellectual giants that realize also that even just being able to like like let's remove the laws of physics and see seeing if we can construct a plausible way that the universe could have emerged without the influence of a of an of an agent that we call god why does the ability to make sense of reality exist in the first place where are you pulling your concepts from yeah. where where why does math work you know you start you start like asking these really fundamental questions about why reality exists or is sensical at all and yeah. you cannot avoid the underlying you know what what I the word I like is logos or like or just intent or underlying logic or this hidden fabric of reality that we can breach with the highest part of our intellect you know through through math through yeah. like glimpsing the like actual laws of oh my god like it, it, it those are like the real philosopher stones moments I think like when we yep. when we encounter these you know, you think about like the, uh, um, I, the, the Isaac Newtons, the Albert Einsteins, the, yeah. you know, the founding fathers of quantum physics, like Schrodinger and all those other people, like these are moments of really like pushing the boundary of understanding of like what reality is and what makes reality. And 
ancient philosophers knew this. Jung knew mm-hmm. this. And like Jung always wanted to actually be a scientist first. But then he started realizing that there was this other world of subjective value, of symbol, and that that was just as real as this other world. And that there were plenty of other people trying to figure out what that world was, the world of the exoteric, of the mathematical, the logical. And now like, people are taking shit like DMT and they're seeing right. it for themselves, right? Right, right. Undeni- just undeniable, right? And yeah. I mean, we're, we go there in our dreams every night. We're, if you just sit down in a room in the dark, and I actually have these next to me because I meditate in here sometimes, and throw on a pair of like, like an eye shade, and you just sit there for long enough, stuff comes to you like yeah. things appear in the dark like the full-blown darkness like things appear to you and they might be nebulous or blurry mm-hmm. or whatever but or words if you're me yeah, like for yeah. me it's more like ideas you know like or thoughts like why is that coming up right you know yep. those kinds of yep. things yeah and and just that if you're honest with yourself all the time there are these things going on that seem to be out of your control that are also deeply interwoven with the fabric of your psyche, with whatever mm-hmm. you are, with whatever's happening. And yeah, synchronicities are like someone turning the volume up on that to like a, it's yeah. here and you can't deny it level, but yep. it's happening all the time. And I think that's why there's that line by Jung about like synchronicities are an ever present reality for those with the eyes to see or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point earlier, I guess we'll return here now. You can pollute it and go too far with it by searching for it, by trying That's to right. say, I'm seeing 1111 all the time. I'm seeing 222 all the time on the clock. And then you're like, you're also then going to Google and saying, what does it mean right. when I see 111? And yes. I'm not shitting on anyone. I used to do this. Same. And I would say, what does it mean to see 111? And look, lots of fucking people are, because the first thing that you type, it fills it out for you, because so many people right. have searched the same question. So don't feel stupid at all. Like, um, as Michael said, he did it too. And then what happens is you go and someone's telling you what this meaning is. Hence why, like when I see threes repeated, I'm not going to Google. I just know in that moment that that's happening for a reason. And mm-hmm, I kind of take mm-hmm. note. And the thing is, there's not always a meaning. That's that's another thing is like, it's the same reason why this tarot class I'm taking right now from Ken James is so great because he is a a scholar of esotericism and depth psychology and and archetypes and symbols. And he basically says like, you need to learn, you learn the symbols, you learn the archetype, you learn what their collective meaning is. Cause that has a charge, you know, the what, and then you, but you have to infuse it with your own style, right? Like, and, mm-hmm. and that's the magic, the magic yeah. of what your personal meaning is combined right. with the knowledge of those of archetypes. And you have to like find the center of those two things instead of allowing that's people it. to tell you what your meaning is. That right? everything you just said is so core to Jung's whole overarching quest of, of yeah. trying to like, I did this video on individuation recently and he talks about that the individuated person is essentially standing at the center of the cross. And you can think of this like, you know, as deeply and metaphorically as you want and mythopoetically as you want. But what he means by that is like, you're not just theoretically understanding these ideas about things like we haven't really gotten into yet, like archetypes and unconscious. Those are my next questions. And yeah, yeah. But you get to this point where you've encountered them. Yeah. 
they've tried to like infect your psyche basically because that's what that's one of the things they can do and you've managed to contextualize them you've mm -hmm. managed to contextualize your ego and your persona and you stand at the center of all of that as the real you as the capital s self and in a way like in a more controlled setting like that's what any kind of divination is like you, yeah. you're or, or or reading tarot is is like that's you're right. becoming the the magus or you're becoming that archetype that's able to stand at the center of those archetypal images and whoever the person is or your own life and you're able to corral that into something useful or and it's or, only if you yeah. believe it right because that's what i don't uh, even think you have to believe it i think you just it's almost one of those things like you have to be knowledgeable like you have that's to be what, I think that's what I yeah. mean is like if you're not it's 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 going on no mm -hmm. matter what it's like Alan White's on Alan Watts it's like it's happening right it's happening regardless whether or not you're tuned and into that and I'm not using this in a new agey way like if you're dialed into that certain frequency and you're you're you are aware of it then you're going to see them but if you yeah. you are depressed and feeling listless and empty and you're just really like believing the I just did a three-part series. It's a thing called Trauma Worlds. And so people mm -hmm. will hear your episode after those go live. It's basically like the when we're acting from a place of what I call paranoid golem energy, which is like <laughs> hypervigilance, you know, um, really believing the stories that we've been told when we were little. It's like you are now living in a trauma world. And that's not my phrase. It's this uh, depth psychologist that wrote a paper on it. And it's the veil, right? So if that's why there are people that are very psychic and very, very um, in tune with intuitive, their intuitive yeah. energies. But if they haven't done their own like shadow material processing and you're going to be getting a, a reading of, from someone who is like projecting all their shit onto you and they may have be actually getting things, but they're not able to articulate it right. So that's why you have to be so careful. Yeah in spiritual circles and hence why um but anyways dr james like one of the things we're having to do in our course is like read his tarot or read mm -hmm. for someone else in front of him and none of us have never done Ooh. it in the last the last class i opened up and i said i'm i'm admit like i'm really scared to actually do it all i've been doing is what i'm good at doing which is like reading all the books <laughs> like and it's I funny bought, because at the same time though you're the one who like puts yourself out there the most and literally yeah. but i told him and when i say i'm uber nerding in this class he gave us a list and mm -hmm. ken james is giving us a specific list of like his favorite yeah. hard to find so i'm up there fucking googling on used bookstores i don't know if you're going to be able to find this one i found them mm -hmm. and i like mm -hmm. bought them all and so i've been going through them and starting to read them and i'm doing such a good job of studying i'm using chat gpt to like train me um so like i tell it like a story about the card and i'm having it quiz me i'm doing this stuff but then i told he's like so have you done any readings and i said i haven't i i'm so scared to actually yeah. do it and he said you know and it really helped me he he was like the very fact that you're nervous to do it it shows that you have a reverence for the cards and you have a reverence for the for kind of just the energy and the mm -hmm. symbols that are contained mm -hmm. here and he's like it's a good thing that you have yeah. that fear but just push past it don't cling too hard to the knowledge but have it there but also like look at the story that the cards are telling you you know yeah. really really beautiful stuff from him 
And it actually, you know, do you have any comments on that? Because I don't want to not let you respond before I... I always have I was, comments. Oh, yeah, share. I have comments I share on them. everything. Share them. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah, well, that, that kind of what would, you know, I guess you could call mantic mindset like it comes there there's this word mantis that comes from greek which means to be a like mancer like that is it like praying mantis um no i don't it could be related it it might be linguistic i'm I'm not sure but but this is more like the the one that you see in like systems of divination like geomancy like Uh that's where that comes from is that greek word cartomancy is literally what tarot is right right so that that kind of mantic or mantis are they just divination too? Yeah. Or is it different? Yeah. I I think I think they're all yeah, I think it's all related concepts. I'm not sure if they're all, right, all I'm, linguistic. I'm, totally just, I'm taking you off the off I'm not course. sure if they're all ling- linguistically related, but um like Socrates calls him like talks about that he has like some level of mantis or mantic ability. And mm. what one of the things I take away from that that i wanted to share is that it's again kind of similar to what we were talking about before about the importance of turning off the intellectual mind and just letting trying to let that other part of the mind whatever it is take over and don't don't let the analytical part enter other than it does its job of like identifying the thing and looking for the connections but like don't judge it you know it's like i think I think that would be my problem too, is that mm. I have a reverence for all of this stuff. You have a reverence for all of this stuff. So we're afraid that we'll fuck it up somehow or not do it correctly. But yep. I actually think that to an extent, you you almost, again, standing in the center, you got to be in, like, occupy that part of the mind to an extent, but also let the dreamy, symbolic realm it's like there's one hand from each part you know like yeah. or you're straddling the two worlds and it's the one, magician tarot yeah. card quite literally right but you want to but it's like there's the same part where it's like you the same at the same token you want to earn the right to stand at the center because not every like if anybody just picks it up and they start talking it's like i don't care what you have to say you don't understand yeah. what the symbolism means that's right um, that's right oh, and, uh, coincidentally you know it was a big um tickler for me was um I have a Rider weight deck too, and I remember not long after the um, the rose synchronicity, like just flipping through and then looking at the Magus card and seeing that it was covered in roses and being like, "Oh, that's shit. fucking weird." Yeah, um, yeah. But um, getting back on track, if there is a track, um, there ain't one. Is um, w- some of the words that Jung eventually started using. I'm not sure when these words start coming in. Um, to help explain or at least to theoretically tie together whatever it is that's running underneath um the phenomena of psych of synchronicity is what he calls the unis mundus which means the one world world yeah um and basically he posits that despite the fact that we really think we are beings in this exoteric world that also have this psyche that's like somewhat connected to this other realm. That isn't what reality really is. There is actually this underlying one thing that is neither psycho or physical. It's like both. And we just think that we're 
you know, physical bodies and that and, and we're like biased toward being in that. But what's really more real is the one world. And he uh, he seems to even think that the psyche in and of itself is more real than the exoteric world. I'm losing so, my mind right now because yeah. I have to tell you something that's a fucking Please. trip. So you know and listeners know that because of recent events and actually going to North Carolina and being on the Bledsoe property and seeing like non-human intelligence, seeing orbs and like seeing just some high strangeness in real life that I've never, I never thought I would actually get to see in real life. And now since then, I've been dipping my toe into some people that um, are exploring consciousness and also dipping their toe in, they're not ufologists because that world is weird, I will say. Um, and also very dogmatic and, and strange. But there's some it's, it's weird how anytime you get you put an ist on anything, it's like, I don't want to be a part of these people. Exactly. <laughs> but there are some interesting people that are really course, yeah. exploring um, what's going on with UFO disclosure, UAP disclosure, whatever, non-human intelligence, and then mixing it with some of this wisdom. Yeah. And some of the retrieved materials that they supposedly have retrieved from some of these craft, what the uh, the legitimacy of these things, we don't know, we never will know. There's also a piece of material that supposedly was taken from like a uniform that one of these beings was wearing. And guess what the, the, the pattern of this material was? Honeycomb. And it's all about like bees, which is like kind of commentary on bees, wow. hive, mind you know and also the they're sharing things like the when there's been contact made with these beings many experiencers say that that they've been approached by a group of them and they communicate to telepath right, right, uh, right, like right. telepathically even to the experiencer and the experiencer reports that they actually just know what the the mm -hmm. being is saying chris bledsoe said that is exactly what his experience was he said i just know like it's not like i hear a voice it's nothing like that it's like they it's it's in my brain and yeah. the the vibe has very much been like they are a hive mind and also and that they have evolved into a hive mind and in a way that allows them to coexist perfectly as one unified thing and yeah. that's why all this stuff is now all starting to connect together so much for me that i'm going like it's kind of bl blowing my mind a bit. So what you were saying about the collective unconscious, essentially, that there is this, mm -hmm. there's this pool that we're all connected to, but you want to know what's interesting. I think that that scares a lot of people. Like the yeah, idea, then am sure. I just, then am I just no one? Then right. am I what just nothing? What does it nothing? mean for, for your agency or your free will or, yeah, I mean, it's, and it that's scary. Some pretty schizophrenic places. And, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like that, that is the stuff that if there mm -hmm. has ever been times that I really, and look, I don't think that you, I never lie to my listeners. Like if you really start going down these paths, like that's why I think people really need to do a lot of like somatic and trauma healing work, like maybe staying yeah. in like the part, you know, studying, uh, studying like young baby steps and then studying like internal family systems because if you start going down these paths yeah. before you're like integrated more psychologically yeah they can you can lose yourself and totally. and it's and and also it's really hard sometimes to get back from like these places i have watched unfortunately i've seen this play out like 
you'll see early on in my podcasting career, I used to like follow and engage a little bit more with my audience because I could, I had a smaller account. Right. And maybe like, you know, when I had like 1000 or like, you know, to 2000 followers, and I followed some of my listeners. And as I watched them, like people would be in a really good place. And then, you know, you'd start seeing their story updates and they maybe started looking into a religion. And then you can literally watch the. Yeah, you can watch their mind just get gobbled up by the egregore and then of like whatever the thing was. Yeah. And then they're posting like dark conspiracy theory stuff saying, I figured it out, you know, and you're going, holy fuck, this is literally how right. someone completely loses it. And then mm -hmm. sure enough, one of those people, their next post was saying, hi, everyone. I was actually an inpatient, you know, for a while, and now I'm back yeah. and doing better. And I do not blame any of those people, but that's a warning. Like you can't, you really have to have one foot on the ground and then like have your critical thinking and skeptical thinking pants on and like really be brave to go there there are so many sages out there that have said like don't think awakening is great like because like sometimes you'll wish that you never did it because you're then then it's harder sometimes to connect with quote unquote normies right oh, yeah. like yeah Jung has so many quotes about that too I, I, yeah. can you you want to speak to that because that's that yeah. i think has been the hardest but the beautiful part is, is if you can stick it out i was so lonely for a while then I started talking and following my passions. And then I meet people like you, people like Bob, you know, my friend, Melanie, people that were going down these same rabbit holes started coming into my life and I feel a little less crazy. But if yeah. I watch commercials, if I just go out into the wild, sometimes I start going, what the fuck? Like, yeah, I feel like an that alien. brings I, me to archetypes. I, yeah. It's like zombies, yeah. literal zombies. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Jung has some quote about like, I don't, I never get this right, but it's essentially that the more you know, the lonelier you get. Like right. the like knowledge is actually isolating and lonely because yep. you start to ask bigger questions. You start to be concerned with bigger things. And when you see that some people are just, and, and this is like, I don't like how this seems hierarchical, like you're somehow yeah, above yeah, yeah. other people. But really what I think this path of the examined life should do is not lead you to any final knowledge about like oh this is the true state of things like this is the group that's really in control it should just continue either deepening the mystery or or you should that's feel right. like you're you're getting closer and closer to this light but never getting there fully and really for me it's just zigzaggy up and down like left and right feeling connected Labyrinth. feeling disconnected all the time um with you know certain very significant checkpoints and signposts and whatever but ultimately it's all very all over the place and that that's one of the things that i think you can if you want to check yourself is yeah do i feel like i'm encountering new bigger more impossible to answer questions that are just yeah. like endlessly fascinating rabbit holes but also like holy shit, i'm never going to get to the bottom of this or do you feel like you're getting into some here it is. Here it is again. More evidence of the gerbit blobbers that are running everything. You I know? just, I just yeah. thought of something as you were saying that. I think one of the best ways for a listener, like say for instance, to kind of like it's this is what I do. It's almost like a litmus test. If I get into someone, because the thing is, that's how it always goes. I'll find an author or like a writer or a figure. I'm like, oh, I like, I like that. Like one podcast interview. Mm -hmm. So then what I tend to do is like I'm going to dive more into. I'm right, going right. to listen to a few more interviews. Same. If somebody or if some kind of like theory starts to even 
feel like they're charged with like this fuck the world, I figured it all out kind of energy. Like I have the answer. That's mm-hmm. when you know that they are, they went off. It's like yeah. the psychic that's really, really intuitive and really smart, but they're too stuck in their, their whatever complex to yep. even be accurate. That's when I, my, that's when my heckles go up and it happened with a new person. I won't drop their name, Damn. but um, it's not, that's not the vibe here. But like I found this new author and I still really like his stuff, but I just, I listened to this long interview. Then he just started talking about, you know, how women were actually really dark psychologically. And he thinks that they are the core of all the, 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 and look, he made a really strong case. I will say, cause I like listening to people that he basically said like women don't get enough flack because their dark mother energy. He used a lot of young stuff, unchecked dark mother energy. He thinks is really the core of a lot of dysfunctional men and that well men- does he talk like this and say not <laughs> no he didn't okay okay he didn't that was my jordan but peterson impression by the it way it was definitely not jordan peterson <laughs> i've actually never even heard jordan peterson say that i've seen or heard him say a lot of other dumb shit but um and also well, women, a lot of, women are really the chaos stuff. archetype the art the like you, oh, you, know, yeah. you ever heard honestly is like, that is such a good jordan peterson impression it's it's one of my better ones it's you really know? like good. i have some i have some hit or miss ones my my jp is good my terrence mckenna is good um That's i gotta i gotta great. work on my randall carlson as you know that, um, that is it was no it was pretty good it was very very you haven't good. even heard him talk yet you don't know uh, no but I, it was entertaining um, is what i'm saying well, it made you. me laugh every time so um yeah no i'm i'm so with you on like i can't stand people who they have the answer they they have the answer or they do this thing where they like lord over the knowledge in some kind of like well maybe you'll get it someday but right now you know you know you know that that whole thing is just gross and also that's very easy to do you know and and i've run into some people that i think are very very intelligent and probably know something but then they also get sucked into that and it's like fuck i don't know if i can I think you have stuff to offer, but I also don't think I can stomach listening to you in this like weird kind of like what one of the things Jung talks about is have you heard of the mana personality? No, I don't think so. So it's this thing that can happen. And uh, the way I'm using it here is kind of slightly different contextually, but I still think it applies is that if you start doing inner work and you get to this point where you start successfully kind of like seeing the ego as a construct and some archetypal energies start coming into your life. Um, I talk about this in the individuation video in a little bit more of a structured way, but one of the things that tends to happen is that archetypal energy comes into your life. And the very first thing it wants to do is basically infect your persona and give you a new archetypally charged ego and persona. So the examples I give in the video are like the person who starts doing some kind of like spiritual work or starts going on psychedelic retreats or whatever and they just ad- adopt the personality of the shaman now and Dude, they're like that when i say you know, i've seen all i have to say is many such cases it oh, happened yeah. to a girl i went to high school with and i was like wait a minute you were just i'm actually i'm not gonna do give up too much away but let's just say that what she was doing before and then all of a sudden she did one ayahuasca Mm -hmm. retreat right and she was literally a divine feminine healing coach selling courses for 444 dollars there it is so the cliche is 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 so true in so many cases And, and and the other thing that's hard to balance is like i am absolutely a off the charts all for people 
exploring more deeply and taking yes. that stuff seriously, but also learning to like stay on top of the energy rather than have the energy get on top of you and yeah. control you now. Like it's almost a form of possession, don't you think? If you're it, thinking about it, it from an esoteric perspective, yeah, it's, you're it's actually archetypal. being possessed. Yeah. Yeah. It's archetypal possession for sure. And the reason it's a problem is because what were we saying before, at least from the Jungian standpoint, and, and I, everything that I'm into other than Jung resonates with this too. Yeah. Well, I won't start introducing more terminology, but <laughs> if we ask the too question late now, of, we're, we're, we ask, down, we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, right. If we ask the question of what are we ultimately trying to do in psycho spiritual development? Yeah. I really like Jung's answer of individuation, which is essentially you have this thing, e even trying to describe it is very challenging. I was about to say, how would you define individuation? Well, individuation in and of itself is generally the overarching process of becoming a unique, integrated individual. Uh -huh. But there's way more to it than that because that sounds sure. too psychological and just like developmental. It's almost but, like bringing all of your different parts into cohesion, right? Bringing uh, all of your, yes, all your unconscious yes. comp. It doesn't mean you fix everything. It means that you're aware of everything that, that like you're, you're, you're bad, you're good, you're not so, you're neutrals and you're, you are the seat of your highest awareness, right? Yes. I may have shown <laughs> you this last time we talked i'm not a hundred percent sure but mm -hmm. did i tell you that mary louise von franz quote about um like jung's entire life and work and method is really this did i did mm -hmm. i send you that <laughs> well we're gonna, tie, we're gonna tie some shit together oh great um right great. now great for our listeners while he's getting that um that resource i um Mary Louise, Mary Louise von Franz was a contemporary of Jung, right? Like she, mm -hmm. well, she came, she was younger than him, but she right. basically was able to, she was in analysis with Jung himself. Mm -hmm. And then she went on to become like, I would arguably say she's one of the giants. Yeah. Um, and she's done her, my favorite stuff of hers is she analyzes like fairy tales mm -hmm. and archetypal symbols and fairy tales yeah. and dreams. Hello, kitty. Michael's cat just came. Oh my God. Hello. I, I hate it when I'm listening to a podcast and I, let's just say that the cat is so cute and we just saw a very cute, fuzzy cat belly. But anyways, Mary Louise von Franz is a badass and I just wanted to tell listeners who they are, who she was. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. some of the stuff about her that's so amazing is that, yeah, she came to him as a young person and there's an interview where she talks about Basically, he was the first person that she encountered that she was like, I basically have to do whatever I can to spend time with this person because wow. he is like, he has the kind of knowledge that I want. Yeah. And one of the things I think one of the, I think one of the first projects she worked with him on was translating some alchemical texts. And yeah. she had to like learn, she had to like learn new languages and stuff to do it. But as a result of taking on this approach, he kind of took her under his wing. And mm -hmm. they developed a lot of the alchemical stuff together, especially. And she really got to understand his affinity for the more esoteric stuff, probably better than almost anyone else because of how much time they spent together and the projects they worked on together. Mm -hmm. So when she says stuff like this, I pay very close attention. And I, okay. 
I reject like a lot of other people's opinions when I hear her say things like this. Um, do you Everyone's wanna, on the edge of their seat. Do, do you want to? Do you want to read it? Why? Why would I read it? You read it. All right. You read it. The basis and substance of Jung's entire life and work do not lie in the traditions and religions which have become contents of the collective consciousness, but rather in that primordial experience which is the source of these contents, the encounter with the single individual with his own god or daimon, his struggle with the emotions, effects, fantasies, and creative inspirations and obstacles which come to light from within. So, I mean... I know we're jumping around so much here, mm -hmm. but that quote, the basis and substance of Jung's entire life and work do not lie in the traditions and religions which have become contents of the collective consciousness. Let's just, let's just look at that part. Yeah. Jung is saying that all of these things that have emerged spiritually and psychologically, and I think even we could read into this a little further and just say even intellectually, mm -hmm. we try to put the human experience into these theoretical boxes and containers and say, they are this, they are that from a Judeo-Christian- meaning to them. Right. Spirituality is this Judeo-Christian thing largely, or it's this whatever is or ism you want to put it into yeah. knowledge must fit into this theoretical box or intellectual box and what she's saying is that what jung was trying to point everyone toward is if you don't have that experience for yourself with your own directly experienced higher power you don't get it and until you have that experience yeah. with as she puts it your own god or daimon yeah. which then in turn contextualizes your own struggles, emotions, fantasies, etc. like you're not getting it. And I'm I'm dropping so much wisdom. I've attracted my familiar once again. Literally the cat yeah. heard this and now she's trying to basically she's trying to perch herself on the very back, the um, tip of back of his chair and she's like where I fits, I yeah, sit. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take a little screenshot because it's funny. Yeah. Um Oh my God, um, she's loving this. Yeah, she's sorry she's, to the listeners who can't hear this. You know, she's, she's insane. She's absolutely insane when she gets so, like this. Get um, this. Get this. What you just said. Actually, do you have any finishing thoughts? Because I don't want to take you too far off if you have more. Because well, the thing, you're on the thing roll. that I think is so amazing about this quote is that it ties together this nebulous sense that we're connected to this higher thing that we're also blind to like i can't prove to you that i have a diamond or a hga or a personal like golden and by the way to, everyone to God, hga right? hga stands for holy guardian angel for listeners that don't yeah know. continue yeah and, and i guess a whole we should other say, episode i guess we should say that this popular idea of the guardian angel has become this very cartoonish like cringy idea that yes. is like in hallmark stores and yeah. you know occupying the shelves of to put it nicely many people who are not very deep thinkers about this stuff <laughs> like a hobby lobby art section <laughs> right however if you start looking into this concept of 
the the personal spiritual guardian, which has gone by all these names, you know, uh-huh. the diamond, the genius, the the guardian angel. And by the way, not the same as a demon, a diamond, yeah. different. Again, making but some not important. as different as some people make it. Like they're, they're I was trying not to make a, it sound better. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it, it, it gets so like you. Basically, the thing on that note that people have to wrap their minds around is before was there was the nefarious hell dwelling fallen angel demon. Yeah. There was a whole cast of beings called daimones in the in Greek mm-hmm. that were like these boundary beings, like they were yep. between you and the higher realm. Yes. And they weren't good or bad. Some of them were bad and up to nefarious things and mischievous, and some were neutral and some were good. But you personally, yeah. Did, should I should I go into this or not? <laughs> I, I um, go for it. Seriously. Um, Okay, so I'm trying to decide if I want to like launch into myth land or if I just want to like talk about the concept. Uh, let's just stick with whether we're talking about Zoroastrianism or Egyptian or Hellenic, which encompasses the whole Greek world, uh, or later Roman. They all had this idea and took this idea seriously that you had a guardian spirit, and it yes. and the Hellen, the Hellenic world, the Greek world called it the daimon. Yeah. So anyway, this daimon presides over who you are essentially as a person and is your link to your destiny, your mm-hmm. soul, the deeper levels of who you are that you're not aware of. And you're kind of reverse. And en- if you take this idea seriously, you end up having to reverse engineer that as you age trying to get to the in a in a souls code kind of way yes really come to the realization yeah like i'm not all of this shit the world dumped yes. onto me i i actually have an underlying purpose an underlying truth an underlying capital s self and not only do i have that it's communicating with me all the time in weird symbolic ways through dreams if you're willing to tune in right right and again, at what point you introduce people to this kind of information is very slippery because yeah. some people can read way too far into this. Yep. And to use the cartoony example, they can be like, see 1111, I'm supposed to be. Oh, yeah, I definitely need to leave my wife dirt. and move to move right. to Joshua yeah. Tree. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you do need to leave your well, wife and, and move that's, to Joshua Tree. And that's true. But right. sometimes yeah. you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, So what it comes down to is really to not really clarify anything is are you projecting something onto this that you want it to be about versus is it truly coming into your life in an ortho i keep saying orthogonal but i just mean in a like a a way that is the opposite of parallel is is coming in at a 90 degree angle in a in the completely different direction like you are not in control of it it's coming like this yes. hitting you like that that's the difference is yes am i making it about this or is it making itself known and what is my disposition am i looking for a meaning here or am i trying to really build a relationship with this thing yes it's it's all very foggy and and you know whatever, i but, will say no the it's i have such a burning addition to this two things one to to what you just said 
I think the smartest thing to do when you are starting to cultivate more of a higher awareness, like a higher awareness to potential synchronicities, number one, what can be really effective is to like, and this is personal, I just state and try to set out an intention that like I would like to see, um, like just I want to interact more. I would love to see some yep. like blatantly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. obvious synchronicities. Like I'm open to it, show me. So yeah. I'll be on alert for it. But if I see something... I don't try to make meaning of it. Sometimes I'm just going to yeah. go like, do I feel, it? I allow myself to be charged by the little jolts that I get from it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then I just don't do anything based upon that, you right. know? And I think that's early on, that's the best way, you know, it's like, just, just ask to bit to have more of those experiences in whatever way feels good for you. And then just kind of yeah. see. And if something Abs happens and you feel yourself get really emotionally charged, resist definitely don't make any decisions off of it um right. 100 note agree. it down write it down because the thing is when you write it down again that being whatever you want to call it the, this energy you're interacting with i think takes note of the fact that you are taking note of it so those yeah. are my suggestions from for baby practitioners of this thousand percent agree and and i also think it's so it's so hard to explain because I don't think I could be wrong about this, but I don't think it wants to hide. No, I think it is hidden. I think it's it's literally fucking esoteric. It's the core of it, right? Like you right, have to right, right, you right. have to meet it halfway. It reminds me of the what is it? The David painting with God and David, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. Michelangelo, the two fingers. I'm mean, for listeners the two yeah, yeah. that classic image of two fingers, God's finger and David's finger. Is it David yeah. coming in? Yeah, I think so. And or no, no, it's say, Adam. It's Adam. Adam yeah. Yeah, and yeah. God. What the something I saw the other day is they were saying like God's finger, if you look at that painting, is fully outstretched. It's as far yeah. as it can fucking go. And right. Adam's finger is kind of curved mm -hmm. and just kind of he's not really trying as hard. Yeah. And the person that was interpreting this was just saying like the divine is reaching out to you, yeah. fully extended at all mm -hmm, times. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we are like Adam, just kind of like you have to also extend you have to also do things yeah these energies in the unit in the universe you know god the divine they also respect our free will and you have to make meaning it's your fucking responsibility no one's going to spell it out for you yeah. but i but a fucking uh article on google sure as shit will and it's up to you if you fall into that pitfall yeah yeah and it, this again is where you know, again, we're at this point where it's the the metaphor of standing at the center between the two things. Yeah, it's like you can't stand at the center if you don't also do that inward turn. Like that's the other thing yeah. Jung would talk about is the inward turn toward. I don't care about this external yep. stuff, at least not as much anymore. Like I understand I have an ego. I understand that I've got to use that to operate in the world, but I don't want this ego to be informed by that shit anymore. I want yep. this ego to be an outgrowth of this deeply rooted capital S self purpose. This, as Mary Louise von Franz put it, this encounter with the mystery, the God, the diamond. I want my ego to be a vessel for that thing. And I want to get these projections, these, these things that have been inflicted upon me from the time I was born culturally, uh, familially, through trauma, whatever it is. I want to I want to 
rid myself of all of that influence as much as possible and operate it's like from wiping that. the bugs off of yeah. your windshield right so yeah, that you yeah. can see yeah. because then you can become a better the way i see it is is like the best you can hope for is becoming like the best possible channel for that information yeah. right mm -hmm. with clear of as much shadow material as you possibly can be right mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and then also and, knowing that you have to have one foot in reality one foot out of reality yes. at all times and isn't it crazy how like dbt is the most popular form of therapy for what's known as borderline personality disorder what's one of the marshall linehan who created that therapy is a zen master too and so oh, cool. she put a lot of zen into uh um dbt therapy and one of the the uh, skills they're called skills that you learn in dbt is wise mind you know mm, so she teaches cool. the middle path basically uh, right. like she's saying you know you can be an emotion mind or rational mind but you want to be in right in the middle of wise mind the middle way the middle path right. like come on th these are ideas in the collective unconscious they yeah. have existed for thousands of years and they're just being recycled repeated flipped and reversed missy elliott style and <laughs> yeah like it's a thing. What is the thing that we're flipping down, putting down, flipping, and, and reversing? reversing? Yeah, that's the big question. That is the question. Um, Wait, get this. Get this. So like when you were talking about, because we were talking about archetypes, the collective unconscious, and you brought up like what made me think of this was when you said like the cross, you know, mm -hmm. like and you were talking about how much... Um, I'm going to try to articulate this because it's one of those things that I kind of, it makes sense in my brain, but let's see how it turns out when I'm actually verbalizing it. Um, the cross is something that has so much, uh, it's charged so much as an archetype, right? Oh, it yeah. is like so deep in the collective unconscious. There's so much meaning. And interestingly enough, one of my biggest regrets, right, is my grandma was so spiritual. She did so much reading. She loved all the saints. She loved the mystic aspect of Catholicism. And there's so much mm -hmm. magic there, hence why it's still like very deeply tied into certain types of magic. But um, she, I never really talked to her about spirituality. And it makes me sad. I wish I could go back and become less of a stupid um, normie teen and like sit down with my mom or my grandma and talk to her about her beliefs. But um one thing my uncle told me, because uh, he was over for Thanksgiving, and I just said, was grandma super religious? Like, what was she like with her spirituality? Did she, she impart any wisdom on you guys? And she said, I, and he said, she didn't talk about it as much, but something that she always repeated to all of us was, my grandma apparently really, really loved the metaphor of of the cross, right? And she said, she would always repeat to the kids, like, we all have our cross to bear. And it reminds me of dream interpretation or whatever, right? You see yeah. a symbol. And a lot of times with dream work and listeners who are, are unfamiliar with this kind of work, like say for instance, I have a dream about a bear, part of act after, and which I did the other night. And um, part of the active imagination process I would use would just be to sit there, be silent, think about this bear and like try to connect myself to that. And then what comes up, like too much to bear. You know, like mm -hmm, I can't mm -hmm. bear it anymore. Like these are things like maybe, cause it's not just literal. It's like a mother bear, protective mama bear energy. Like this is what I do and I'm doing my, and then, but that's what I'm saying is like, and then when, when my uncle told me about this cross to bear, I thought how much charge there is to that. And then on another even 
crazier trip because my niche interest is like just like you always looking at all these different types yeah. of spirituality and one that i'm particularly fascinated with is druidism because that is where mm -hmm. the bulk of my when i say so much of my i really wish almost that i didn't do 23 and me but let's just say my dna is oh, out there it's in the I've system done it too yeah i just had to know so i i was looking at the the map and it is so concentrated in England mm. and like in this, the in England, Germany, Denmark, like yeah. all of these like areas. And this is like the hot, especially where in England that all my ancestors were, it's like Druid city. And Crazy. I, the more I learn about Druidism, there was so much taken from Druidism, uh, which is like a, paganism is such an overarching thing. It's basically what anyone thought was barbaric. And there's just so many like, look, you mm -hmm. have all of that area had so many different gods and deities. But get this. Did you know that in Druidism, you want to know what their god and savior's name was? No, I'm just kidding. Don't of course know? I do. Of course I want to know. Isis. Isis Creos. Oh, wow. Isis Krios, okay? So get this. It's Isis, also known as Hesus, is the personal name of the Celtic Druids' sun savior, sun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Closely associated to Jupiter or Zeus, the Druids were a priestly tribe of Celtic and Gaul, present day Germany, England, France, da da da, right? Hesus was born on the 25th of December by the virgin mother, Mayansi, butchering that, fathered by Gut, the sun deity. Hesus or Isis Krios was a healing savior, also known as the deity of vegetation related to Baal, English, the Lord. Ooh, he was the, regarded- the, the vegetation piece is something we got to talk about. Okay. Continue. He was regarded by the Romans as Mercury or Mithra. Isis was the third of the Celtic Trinity. His el element was the wind. People say that the Holy Spirit is the wind. The Holy mm -hmm. Ghost is the wind. The cross was, look, some of the Druids worship rituals, the cross. It was one of the components of their worship, a tree in a cross shape with lots of branches. The round shape of the cross represents the sun deity. Let's see, the Druids main doctrine uh, doctrine was reincarnation after death. Let's see if anything else, the worship of nature and vegetation, mistletoe and oak are regarded in high respect. I'm seeing if there's any more Christ. Listen, Hesus died on the cross, a lamb on one side, lamb of God, which mm -hmm. symbolized his innocence, the elephant on the other side. Um, well, that'd be they, hard to crucify an elephant. Dude, <laughs> the Druids were the rising civilization with well-organized tribal military, a flourishing culture and literature, which is directly counter to what the Romans were writing about them as being barbarians with no personal hygiene, right? These were a very like advanced mm -hmm. society with very, they also had a well-organized religion before the war with Roman Julius Caesar. So I'm not going to go into it too much, but you know, the council of Nicaea with Constantine who wanted to just get everybody being Christian, right? For listeners, I know we're mm -hmm. going, we're going there. Um, he knew that in order to get all these quote unquote pagans to convert to Christianity, he had to inject a lot of this Druid stuff. So are you fucking kidding me? He says, Krios, Jesus Christ, right? Again, and so what this ties back to, these are all archetypes that are charged in the collective unconscious. Yeah. And if people do not get it through their heads that all of this stuff is all tied together, it's all, uh, and I also even think that the Christ energy is also like holy guardian angel kind of vibes, right? It's just because Jesus right. says the Christ is in you, 
It's the well, the kingdom is within yeah. you. I'll stop it's, now. Go. It's such a rabbit hole. It's because we like so many of this stuff. Like so much of the stuff. Like we would have to know dates and and like linguistic yes. connections between like who used what words first and yes. like it, it's so complicated. But what I think is way more interesting is your point about forget about the facts. Is like what is the underlying syncretic truth? And I agree that I think all of these cultures were coming to similar conclusions. And it's and and this is where you get into the qualitative version of something I said earlier, where you start to archetypes become this logical inevitability, where you start to realize like everyone is arriving at similar conclusions and it can't be like a game of telephone because it doesn't make sense like we know there are isolated cultures separated by oceans that yes. believed the same stuff and yeah you could i'm totally open to the idea that there are wise people that dispersed around the planet and shared antediluvian wisdom maybe maybe but you could even even if that's the case there is still so much underlying pheno phenomenological similarity in mystical experiences across cultures and across ages and all i mean i could not be more disconnected from certain ancient cultures yet when i read about their myths and about their strange uh altered state sorts of experiences i'm like i've had a similar experience i understand what they mean by that you know mm -hmm. and that that all points to the fact that there are these images these primordial locuses of psychical concept that we're all connected to and those are archetypes those are yes. the, also they're the platonic idols they're the platonic images that underpin and they're reality. charged with meaning right and that's yes. what that brings yeah. us full circle because right like they are meaning like they're 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 like emanating i think they're emanating meaning yes and the scarab that the story circling all the way back the scarab has so much it's charged with meaning from you know ancient egypt and all these things and down the line and so that scarab showed up in her dream because of that charge because of what she'd probably seen and then also the combination with your personal meaning right yeah. and and that's why what we're experiencing right now like even talking about jesus krios like you could go down sure go down the conspiracy path and say oh the catholic church they stole all this stuff and yet yeah okay there's an element of that for sure and i believe it but it's like but what if we view it the way we're viewing it now where we're going like look at all the similarities and yeah. there's a reason why these symbols are so powerful and the reason when we see them we take note like if i saw angels right like even if i see i'm a sucker for like catholic medieval like iconography i just think it's so like captivating mm -hmm. and it's probably because that's where my ancestry is genuinely and so there's a reason why certain stuff like that resonates with me but it's it 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 does something to you for a reason it's the same way you could you don't even have to be catholic and you can go into a cathedral and see these beautiful stained glass windows with these images and stories and you are kind of like it could make the most obnoxious person kind of just be quiet yeah. for a second because they're going yeah. like something is here i agree no i agree even even though i feel alienated from most like esoteric religions when i go into those places i still yes. feel something like, i still feel Absolutely. like 
I still feel that energy of like, there's something here. And, and I, you know, especially in Europe. I, oh yeah. I, I've actually not been to Europe, which is oh, bad. I, I want to you go to I France, badly want to. go to France, you go to England, you go to some of the, and, and even just seeing things like Stonehenge or oh, shit yeah. like this, where you're just going, you feel it. Like mm -hmm. you feel something like yeah. you are kind of wanting to be quiet. You don't see people at Stonehenge really like acting a fool. Like mm -hmm. there's a certain energy that people just know that, you know, like let's just have reverence here. Even if I don't necessarily even know why, you know, a really right. interesting story that I, that blew my mind. Um, a guy that I have been like kind of diving into his work and I haven't dived into enough of his work to share his name because I don't want to be like co-signing yeah, yeah. someone that I'm still kind of sussing it out. But no, basically, yeah, because otherwise it's like Molly listens to this nutcase. I don't know what he's going to come out with next, but so far so good, folks. Um, he told this story where he said he went to, um, it was somewhere in Ireland where there are mounds, you know, like these big mounds of, of burial mounds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a very old, 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 old place. And there's, again, we could go down a whole rabbit hole of the Egyptian connection with Ireland. There is like, did you know that there is like an Egyptian, um, the wife of one of the pharaohs is buried in Ireland? Like, oh, cool. no one's talking about this. Like, what the fuck? Um, and so they went to one of these burial mounds and it was, he was with his brother, sister, and the, his brother, sister-in-law, it was, and then his little niece. And, they were at this place and he said that they were just, you know, looking around and all of a sudden this boisterous two-year-old little girl, right? She just sees this burial mound. She sits down in front of it and she turns around and like tells them, shh, like all of them, tells all the adults, stop. And she gets them and she, she like gets them to all hold hands with her and she just closed her eyes. And then immediately afterwards, she just got up and started playing. And he said wow. that they were all just like, what the fuck? Like she knew, she sensed um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that this was a powerful place and that she wanted to just sit there for a second. But then the, the real moral of this story, and I think it carries such wisdom and it's why I'm sharing it, is he said it. And again, she provided a moment, moment of synchronicity and an aha learning for him because he said, I sat there and not only was I in awe of like this little girl just doing her thing, but also she knew I'm not going to get all fucking excited about this. I did my little reverence ritual and now I'm just going to go back to playing and like right. pooping my diaper, like just chilling. <laughs> right. Like, uh, and he said it was such a beautiful commentary on the fact that children can just kind of go in and out of these worlds, um, so easily. Yeah. And instead of getting lost in it, she was able to have reverence and then move on. And she, she really was demonstrating that to him. And oh, yeah. also that she didn't need to learn. She didn't need to obsessively research all the books. Like she already knew it. Yep. Yeah. I think there's something deeply intuitive in the psyche that understands that we're already connected to whatever this other realm is. And yeah. I won't even like broach this rabbit hole <laughs> other than just mention that it exists. But another um, more contemporary I guess, post Jungian thinker, James Hillman, he, he goes further than Jung in some of his assertions. And he has this book that I know you're aware of called the dream in the underworld, where he essentially makes a very strong case that 
the world that the psychical world of symbol and quality and archetypes and whatever it's the same thing as the underworld like it's the exact same thing and he gives all these examples from a uh, greek myth about how look they're like what are the deities that bring dreams and bring death and um visions all have in common they're all chthonic deities they're all underworld yes. deities and um who delivers them mercury who can go to the underworld mercury all this stuff so it also ties the brings the hermes mercury tie-in back in but um but anyway i think ancient civilizations clearly intuitively understood that that realm is here all the time and that realm has important wisdom and knowledge that it will impart to you if you find ways to connect to it and what i when i see these megalithic structures of like on every continent you know yeah, that they they're everywhere must have been back-breaking multi-generational projects in a lot of cases yes you have to ask yourself what what is the one reason people would do these things because yep. i to me there's only one reason and that one reason is they truly believed that this was going to achieve something very important to them and the only thing i can think of that's that important is that this is a holy undertaking and this yep. is a and if you look at also a lot of the other um elements of what was going into these structures you know astrological alignments and arts and that had to do with uh, like sacred iconography clearly these were sacred structures that were trying to like draw that kind of power from the other shore down and there were certain people who were more intuitive like that little girl might have been one of them who were like you're super intuitive you're going to be initiated in all these mysteries and you're going to be the priestess like that's probably how it used to work back then for sure um, for sure it was because they understood that people worked mythopoetically they understood that they needed to be moved through these initiatory rites and yeah. different phases and they knew that there was a magic there it's the same reason why like the old um like I don't know if it's what are they called like maybe the orphic cults or any of these mm -hmm, things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there were basically some of the rituals were to take new initiates and like lead them through like a a, a fake death like yep. scare the yep. living daylights out of yep. them make them face death it's the same reason why monks will meditate in front of like de decomposing corpses um because it makes them face these things and then you are reborn once you've yep. overcome the fear of death because that's why our society is so disordered and dysfunctional is because we we are completely repressed from death it's the same reason why a lot of our tech ceos and stuff are absolutely nuts and because they're not connected to a sense of myth or meaning they yep. genuinely believe that probably they're just going to be worm food after they die so they're trying as hard as they possibly can to like stick their consciousness in a computer so that they can be immortal they're driven yeah. by their death drives i think oh yeah 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 you know why ask yourself why alice goes down into a hole ask Precisely. yourself why you know the divine comedy starts out with this disorienting scene uh -huh. in a forest and then like leans leads downward into the underworld it's like led by a figure right right of yeah his, there's you know yeah there's this there's Beatrice. this um under i don't know if there's an understanding but there's this theme that exists literally in the ancient world of you go down you go into yep. a catabasis a going down 
into the underworld and you do something literal. And that's what Sarah Mergen's podcast right, right. is called, right? The Carly yeah. and memes. This is a full circle moment yeah, for listeners. Yeah. Previous guest, her podcast is called, mm -hmm. what is it? That's one of those words that I never knew. How it's catabasis and anabasis. Because the anabasis is the ascent and the catabasis is the going down. See? But and it's almost like uh, solve et coagula, right? Dissolve and come together. It's obviously a different thing. It's not, it's not right. necessarily the going down. And you know, what I thought of when you were saying that is something else that people can have in their mind, just as Michael said, you know, people in ancient antiquity believed there was so much wisdom to be had in the underworld in um and the idea of demons too or dead people um yeah. the dream world this this shadowy realm they did not see it as demonic in the, in the way that we do which is this black and white literal good or bad you're going to hell it's almost like you can live in hell right now and many people are actively living in hell um but the part that made me think of it is even these things, the underworld, right? Like if you, and who knows what the actual Greek or Roman words were for these things, um, more so Greek, I think, but they wouldn't have thought just the idea of telling someone right now, like a secular person or even like a fundamentalist mm -hmm. Christian, you say the word underworld to them and they're like, fuck that. Right. They probably wouldn't say fuck that. They would say, oh, heck no, I that's demonic, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but it's true. And, and the thing is that's propaganda. Right? right the church all the church wanted to do was to say no 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 the dead that's why we see all horror movies zombie things all this stuff mm -hmm. it's 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 injected into the collective consciousness to yeah. make you scared of death make you think that death is the end or that there are demons that are going to get you that the underworld is bad and so what does that do the people aren't aren't communing with their ancestors anymore people aren't right. um you know they're afraid of death they are graveyards which to me are some of the most peaceful calming mm. places to be are like scary and horrifying and the the priests say all of this is very scary let me mm -hmm. be the intermediary for you yeah when in reality what it's done is disconnected people from their own sense of experiencing the divine for themselves that's what came yeah. up for me when you were saying all that yeah yeah, like the word Hades, for instance, like now as a, it just sound it's close to hell. It starts with an H. Like even Lucifer, we, we immediately think of like this fiery underworld. Yep. But if you look at the old metaphors, and so so you'll love this. This is very Jungian or like just mythopoetic. There really weren't shrines or temples to these chthonic deities because they weren't considered to live in this world tell like listeners they, what they were, chthonic deities oh are. it just means underworld like an underworld yes. deity so yep. so most people are familiar with the ancient greek pantheon of like you know zeus Hades. apollo um uh hermes mercury blah 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 blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um but there's a chthonic pantheon and hades is like the reverse zeus so so it's really more of a conscious unconscious divide yep. than it is like some it's the light and the shadow it's like yes, floki it and thor right. right same same yes i i think so i think so i'm not as familiar with with that but um yeah th this idea and sometimes like to drive this idea home like in a metaphorical mythological way 
they would sometimes depict the underworld as upside down. And I, I so wonder if this is where Stranger Things gets the upside down from. Guaranteed. It's like literally people walking on the ceiling is like what they would show sometimes. But what is that mythologically and symbolically trying to communicate? It's like the other side of something. It's the the where you're not looking of something. It's the the dark of something. Yep. And it's it seems scary because it's unknown. And I think there's a inherent amount of anxiety in the unknown but it's also i think as we all intuitively learn over life that you know obviously growth is also in the unknown like the truth is also in the unknown and i think that if we start to try to integrate that into our thinking it becomes very personal and the jungian ideas come back too because well what's our personal idea of hades unknown underworld Yep. It's sh it's shadow. It's it's my own need to look where I'm not looking. It's my own need to look at my psyche or try to look at the parts of my psyche that I've hidden from myself, from upbringing, from trauma, or just by the the necessities of life. You know. Yeah. And then it all becomes empowering. You know, it all becomes part of this psycho spiritual journey of and there's a purpose for us for its existence you know like yeah. you hear in um various different types of spiritual teachings that say for instance you have like a really scary figure that appears in your dream if you have the ability to lucid dream or if you're doing active imagination and you encounter like a really scary thing that comes up instead of being scared you're supposed to kind of ask like what wisdom do you have for me yeah. you know what mm -hmm. are you trying to tell me and then sometimes those figures can turn into more protective figures maybe they have a message for you you know um and interestingly enough my dream the other day was me getting chased by like a mother bear because she had cubs and she was like running after me and when i woke up i i was scared but then i i thought about it and i went back to the dream and i was like she wasn't growling or anything and i thought so maybe I'm I'm projecting that this was a bad thing. She's trying to chase me, so maybe she has a message for me. You know, what can I think about it in that way? And um, what aspects of this creature do I need to incorporate in mm -hmm. my life, or something like that? Right? Yeah. And so these things that are scary, they actually serve a purpose because we can't just focus on the light. No no if you that that's literally spiritual bypassing like that's that's a great definition of spiritual bypassing of you know trying to circumvent the dark the scary the, the areas of reality i don't want to look the areas of my own psyche i don't want to look at the areas of my own body i don't want to look at the areas of all like all these it's how things pathology that, manifests right. quite literally it's the yeah. cause of mental illness or disorder or whatever you yeah. want to call it yeah and you know i'm not like this I'm also not this idealized person of thinking I can trick myself into liking ugly things or yeah, thinking yeah. Uh, thinking ugliness doesn't exist. Like there is this really core preoccupation with beauty and order and logic and trying to make yourself commensurate with those things, mm -hmm. but also realizing that you as an individual and you as a as a like meat sack walking around you're not going to achieve that in that way no. like the best that you can hope for is to try to orient your mind and your psyche in that direction 
so that you become a being that's like directionally headed for truth, headed for order, headed for beauty. And that when you, when things prevent you from being on that trajectory, mm. you, you don't mindlessly allow them to like hijack your psyche and hijack your agency. You are like, okay, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep going back in this pattern? Why is this thing not good for me? Why is this relationship toxic for me? Why is this job bad for me? Why am I avoiding this? Like it's, it's that we were talking about this, but I think before the recording, it might've been during, I don't even remember, but when, when people ask about shadow work or something, it's like, well, what's your disposition? Like, what do you think shadow work is? And that that's a, another thing that ties a lot of this together, including yeah. synchronicity is like, when you have those moments, let's, let's use synchronicity as an example. When you mm -hmm. have those moments of some kind of undeniable thing piercing the veil, watch what you try to do with it. Yeah. Like, do you try to make it about something? Do you try to make it about like something you're going through, something personal that, that almost tells you something more valuable or equally valuable than the fact that it happened in and of itself. Like, yeah, because most people want to like bask <clears throat> in the fireworks and the glory of like, oh, I just had this crazy shit happen, but then they don't want to look at like, well, what did my mind do with it? And why am I wanting to tell people about it? And what do, what do I think it implies about me? Do, am I trying to prop it up as something that somehow makes me special? Yeah. You know, all those things. So it's, it all it's, ties in. it really does all tie in. And something that came up when you were saying that for me too is it's kind of tying back to the, there needs to be light and dark. And then you were just talking about beauty. And I think right now we have this view of beauty. And I'm not, I, I do call them out quite a bit and I hate that I do it, but they're just such a good example of it. It's like the Kardashians, right? They're such yeah. an example of this cyborgian, uh, cartoon, like movie. Yeah. women actually almost like in drag as women. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah. and then that's, I didn't coin that idea. People have written extensively about this. And, um, that, that has been like shoved down our throat as mm -hmm. beauty. Mm -hmm. When in reality, when we're talking about, you know, we need a little bit of, it's almost, you, everyone's probably heard of like the uncanny valley effect when something's like a yeah. little bit too perfect you are a little kind of like you sense something in you senses like i don't know about that then then i don't know why she came to my mind some of the most beautiful supermodels in the world kind of look like aliens you know what i mean oh, yeah. i worked in fashion for a bit male and female supermodels they literally are like almost these etherical etheric alien beings with like really exaggerated features and when you see them in real life mm -hmm. they you would never look at them they actually look kind of like maybe like a we write back like an alien praying mantis yeah. walking around mm -hmm. but then you see them on the runway and with these clothes on them and they have this like etheric presence and you see this beauty in them and also like Uma Thurman to me she's like not she has like very like unproportional features, but hmm. to me, she's like such a strikingly, and also not that much. She's a strikingly beautiful person, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say that she's like the most Kardashian conventionally attractive actress. She has a magic about her though. And yeah, it, si and sidebar real quick. Do you yeah. know about Bo her dad at all? Bob Thurman? Yes. Okay. Wait, wait, never mind. Actually, I was thinking of Angelina Jolie and I know about her dad, but I don't know oh. about Uma Thurman's dad. So Bob Thurman is actually like one of the foremost Tibetan Buddhist American 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd say scholar. Maybe he is a scholar. I don't know if he's like a scholar, but but he is like deep into Tibetan Buddhism and is like written a bunch of books and like highly respected, like initiate initiate like serious esoteric Tibetan Buddhist. Yeah. Wait, that's such an interesting little. I'm gonna have to read up on that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like that's all I there isn't really any more um on that point it's more so just right tying it all together the importance of both right like yeah. we need we need and also the definition of beauty we've warped it like and then we've warped spirituality we've warped um good and bad we've warped the underworld all these death right. all these concepts we no wonder we all feel so disconnected and and uh and like life is pointless honestly it makes absolutely perfect sense and no wonder it's getting more and more and more um like alarming right. with the statistics of suicides and all these things because it's been a generational loss of these things and they get yeah, further yeah. and further and further away and now i think unfortunately with the age of for a while i thought that the age of the internet might help and i think it is helping but i also think for a while now it's just getting to the point where there's so much noise and there's so much um so many people able to publish things when they are in the least integrated version of themselves oh yeah that's a great point that it's almost impossible for for someone who's really in a struggling state to let that that lacks critical thinking that really wants to i can understand how they just get they'll just go down the especially people and I have listeners who who um have written to me and she knows who she is particularly one of them who was raised in like a cult a religious cult mm. and so she's now really trying to recover from that and she wrote to me once of talking or maybe it was a conversation that Bob cuz she she reached out to Bob she read original mm. sin is a lie and she was just saying to Bob like how do I how do I trust my intuition again like I don't know how to, I'm actually like spooked by any of this stuff and I don't yeah. know what to believe. And it's just, it makes me sad that, yeah, um, it's very sad. And I don't think the age of information is helping. And the fact that I'm on YouTube and I'm seeing a lot of people kind of using AI generated voices to just randomly have like an hour long lecture on some esoteric subject. And I'm going, mm -hmm. oh shit, this is like the worst game of telephone ever. We thought the monks writing the Bible was bad. Well, yeah look out yeah i mean my <laughs> my my unsolicited answer to her is like realize that you already have some kind of deep fully formed authority at the core of your own being and all of this quote that's where you should be aiming your holy impulses toward yeah. building that relationship and that doesn't mean that you do everything on your own or that you don't mind these traditions to or other you know religions that exist today for their knowledge but mm -hmm. i think that you're if you grew up that way it's like you have two options one is just reject all of this stuff out of hand which is what a lot of people do or two you're a left-hand pather now in the way we were describing before like you are going to go undergo your own initiatory hero's journey for the rest of your life and yep. that's your that's what you're doing now like you're an esoteric weirdo seeker like we are welcome yep. And welcome also, to the, uh, welcome to the club. I'm sorry and and condolences and stuff because it is so <laughs> it is so topsy turvy. But we, and it's life consuming. Yeah, it it will. It, I think eventually it gets to that point of like yeah, getting there because 
it's like once you open some of these cans of worms, like everything else feels like, yeah, I'm going to distract myself and I'm going to put tasty calories in my mouth and eat some yeah. good soups. Oh, and, we love soups. Um, we love uh, soup. You know, and I'm, I'm going to do all those things. But ultimately, those start to feel like weird little outfits I put on. And th 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 this... This speaks to like you were hinting at something so profound and it's like not a thing that I can answer, but I can like I can like nudge in a direction that overwhelms me with awe and like a blinding level of wisdom that it's like I can't even handle it. But mm. when you when you reorient the question of like or, or we go back to that realization of what beauty isn't. Or at least what a what what that this kind of aesthetic, physical beauty that we fixate on and we focus so much on that that we understand that whatever that is is ultimately this very tragic, kind of like momentary, withering thing that we hold on to as if it is the thing. The and meat that if suit. We, yeah, if we hold on to that, you, you know we. We have to realize that if there is something that really is beauty, it's not it, it's not that. You know, it's not yeah. that thing. So yeah. then if you start to ask yourself, well, what is beauty? And yeah. and this is why I fucking love Platonism so much, is because they would just start a dialogue where Socrates and his other, you know, fellow uh wisdom seekers are asking questions like this. And then Socrates will just drop these knowledge bombs of like, you know, absolute just like, oh, shit, where, where they'll go deep into um, philosophical if Socrates was this. in, If Socrates was in the Middle Ages or something, he would have been called a, a saint or a, or a prophet, yeah. I'm sure, of some kind. Oh, yeah. And he was. I mean, he absolutely yeah. really was in, in like yeah. the truest sense. And there's a lot of, um, there are people... Because that Hellenic wisdom persisted so deeply, there, there's a lot of people who were Christian. I'm trying to think of one. I was just hearing about one the other day, but mm -hmm. he he basically he talks more about. He's a huge, like, well-known theologian, but he actually talks more about Plato and Socrates than Jesus. And it's like, like he that, yeah. For people that don't know the story of Socrates and him willingly taking the death sentence and all of that kind of stuff it's uh, everybody needs to know it but anyway yep. um this question of like what beauty really is and ultimately i think if you're if you're a thinking person and you're like so it's not these things that wither and die even though there is like a wistful kind of beauty in that in and of itself mm -hmm. when those things do approach beauty what kinds of attributes are they displaying? Right. Symmetry, um, altruism, order, a, a, a mindfulness, right? Like when you see a beautiful person who mm -hmm. is wearing a really cool, aesthetically pleasing outfit that's like scratching your Venusian part of your psyche, you're just like, oh, that person is like, there's something... They have an essence. They have, yeah. it's like, it's a numinous quality that you're just like, you're, it's the mm -hmm. same thing with the synchronicity. Like you see someone and you're like, whoa, they, they're fascinating. Right. Sometimes that will happen with me with actors, you know, like where I'm like, they're so, they have such a, 
an essence a presence, about them. Yeah. yeah. But, I feel but, that way but about you being yeah. the person you are and knowing what you know, you kind of know you're projecting something onto them that yeah. they're not really like where if you yes. met them and like, you know, like if you fast forward, like pretend and you're like wildest dreams, you're like, dating that's why they say person. don't meet your heroes or something. Right, right, right. right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And like you, you've been dating that person for two years and you get over the infatuated spell and into the reality of like, Michael, that's called having yeah. the ick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Isn't it? It's pretty much that. Yeah. Yeah. It's developing but, the ick. Yeah. 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 And so, so if you just continuously ask, like, what is it? So, so is it that beauty in itself is an illusion and doesn't really exist? Or is it that it doesn't really exist here in a, yeah. any kind of like full form? And that yeah. that's so, so that's one insight for me. But two is like, I think if you just keep climbing the ladder of like, what is beautiful, you, you get to something like the sun. And this is something that Plato and Socrates were a fan of invoking was the sun as like, almost like a visible manifestation of the one or the God in the physical realm. And then you start reflecting on like, what is the sun? Like, all it is is light. All yeah. it is is beauty. All it is is radiating life-giving energy. It yeah. literally is just- It helps things grow. Yeah. And yet it is such an intensely beautiful thing that if you stare at it, it will destroy your eyes. Like it will. Can I say something that I just thing. fucking thought of? It's the same reason why in the story of the Bible, and listeners know I love all different uh, mystical texts, but this particular thing that you said just made me think of it. It's when, don't come for me super hardcore Christian theologians, because maybe I'm going to mess this up. But basically, after Jesus was resurrected, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, right? And she, he said to her, do not touch me. Because yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically like, and then guess what? This connects to all the NHI and alien stuff, because I don't even like the word alien, but they'll say that people who have touched craft or people right. who have been in touch with beings will mm -hmm. maybe get cancer or they get some kind of thing because- yeah. and, that's I'm going like ding 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 ding. All these Maybe, things are yeah. very potentially there's all I know is that I feel like there's a, some kind of connection there. I don't know what it means, but Jesus is an archetype for the sun and yeah. he's he is life-giving and he has all these amazing things. But someone like Mary Magdalene, if we're still in this form, it's the same reason why we can't look at the solar eclipse or we can't because I again sitting here with an absolutely fried phone because I took a picture and video of the last solar eclipse and Zaz was like, What the fuck are you doing? My phone camera is fucked from doing it. Oh no. Um, I guess I missed the memo on that. Um, total rookie move. But it just reminds me of that. It's like this thing that's we can die from getting too close. But we can also die from not having any. Oh of it. yeah, you need it. Yeah, you need it. It's yeah, it's it's required. Like it's the balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and and it's also orienting your perception of beauty upward and toward the ineffable, rather than toward the corporeal and yeah. and what it's I like consider Icarus. to be Icarus flying too close yeah. to the sun, you know, like right, right, right. don't fly too close. And also it's making me think of, you know, the sun is at different strengths throughout the day. There's yeah. a whole design for that. You know, it's just, God, there's so many different metaphors <laughs> that, that you well, could go down with that. Yeah. And, and this also, I'm going to try to tie this back into synchronicity because I think, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> one, one of the things that, you know, if you really get underneath, like, what is it about synchronicity that we like and that people are attracted to yeah is it embodies a lot of those features that i just 
talked about symmetry meaning logic underlying wisdom that we can't understand and also it has that sort of radiating quality especially those ones like the one that i experienced with the the roses where they're it's so like electric and i, I can't like i can't my mind can't do it it's like my mind might as well be trying to look at the sun being like you know imagine forget everything you know about astronomy mm -hmm. you're you're just born on the planet right and you're walking around and then one day you learn a language and someone says what's that up in the sky it's like i don't fucking know it's yeah it's, it's the thing that seems real important and <laughs> is there all the time and is like glorious and so intense that i can't even look at it like that kind of felt like that because it, it yeah. short circuits your whole operating system you know it does <laughs> so there, and, there's a time and there's there. a there's a, a a message there too where it's just like and i feel like this is such a good note to sort of tie things up on because i i uh i know that i've taken a lot of your time today yeah, and i, I hope be this is your longest episode I hope honestly i don't think it's longer than the bledsoe Damn. episode that one took the but this is very close to like lex friedman rogan length shit going on right here yeah. um theory of everything length podcast episode but um i like tying it up on the idea of and it's ironically the same place i ended with my sarah mergen episode is unknowing you know, mm -hmm. and, and being okay with not knowing is actually the most spiritually advanced thing that you ever yes, could do, but it takes, percent. but it takes a really, and it's okay. You're not, you, and, and also you can't force yourself. You, you will, you will go down rabbit holes. You will be sure that that's the answer. Then you'll be open to something else. And you're like, fuck that actually makes this not make sense. So then you go down another one. Like it's literally the labyrinth. Like yes. you're going down and then you'd be at the dead end and then you're okay, I'm going here and here. But then after you like make this mat, mat, like massive spider web, then you can pick and choose these things. And then at the end, you really will come back to saying like, I don't know. And the real wisest person from this whole episode is that little girl who just knew that that was a special place. She doesn't fucking need to know why. She does what she thinks felt good. And then she moved on. Love it. And- and and I gotta I gotta throw this in too. Yeah. Why what is Socrates' most famous thing that he ever said? And supposedly why the Oracle of Delphi said he's the wisest man in the world? It's because he said, All I know is that I know nothing. And I didn't even there, know that. Oh, really? Oh man, nope. that's yeah. So so there's also this Greek word atopos, and atopos literally means like no topology, like no yeah. ground, no like context for for anything right yeah and they say that socrates embodied a topos like he was yep. the embodied like he was the wise person who admitted i don't know anything and then he went around athens essentially destroying all of these supposed wise people's philosophies just by questioning them be like you know okay how do you know that what is this yeah. based on why why do you think this is right why do you think this is wrong why do you why do you think this is virtuous who taught you to think that way you know just asking these questions people don't like those questions they don't like it so much that they put you to death in his case you know it's <laughs> like it's, it's i'm not laughing at that i'm just going it's like i'm laughing uncomfortably because i'm like it's so fucking true it's yeah. so true and the and the reason that it's so they scared he scared them yeah he he scared them enough 
And yet they also respected him so much that they gave him a chance to get out at the end. Like they I know because like, they said just just recant, right? Right. Like just just say you don't believe it, you know? And because lots of people did that over time, you know, oh, like yeah. th there were people that were Roman Catholic and they were fully just practicing their pagan religion, but they knew that they had to go to church, do the thing and behind yeah. the scenes. But some some people just like him, right? They They just, they're like, no, I'm not gonna, all you yeah. have is your, you know, your, some people again, like, and also I don't judge either one of them, you know, uh, but it's interesting to reflect on. Yeah. In a way, if you ever got the, uh, like, so, so Socrates, they think he was around like 70 or like late sixties when he drank the hemlock and his stance was kind of like, I'm going to die pretty soon. Yeah. I've had a good run. You're giving me the chance to have a supposedly more or less painful death for doing the right thing. You're giving me a chance to die for ver my virtue. I can't pass up this opportunity. Like that was kind yeah. of yeah. essentially what what he what he said. So yeah, and that's one of the And also again like so I I'm watching Hamilton again, like um the musical by the way, which is just like it's so fucking amazing. One of the songs in it is like history has its eyes on you that's like the phrase that they say mm -hmm. and it, it's george washington character uh sings that and he's just talking about how he feels the weight as like the first american president that like everything he does it's going to be written down and and it will call his entire legacy into question all these things and it makes me think about that with, with socrates right it's like he put so much oh, yeah. into and if at the very last minute he recanted and they wrote that down in the future that would cast doubt upon everything that he ever said. Yeah. You have to wonder yeah. if kind of that's like what he's thinking, you know? Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's so inspiring. Like I've, I've, it sounds so lame to say, but I've absolutely been moved to tears on mm -hmm. certain occasions, like reading some of that stuff. And also later on, like we can talk more about this off the, off mm -hmm. the recording if you want, but you know, just so, so many of the, the deep esoteric insights that are like lurking in those platonic dialogues like and then just thinking about the way that that character's story arc wraps up later is just like it's mind-blowing and it's just so it speaks to what we're so lacking right now in in terms of people's not not only dedication to like really living the examined life but but being willing to die for not, what they believe not in. submit not not even die just like not even submit to any level of scrutiny or pressure or difficulty for yeah. something that they know is right is they yeah. know is the more virtuous thing to do um yeah it's so so it, you're, it really is very it's something to ponder on that's for sure like everybody needs to be pondering that in their orb i think under that fucking orb my friends and if you if you do if you do want to do a little bit more of a structured dip into synchronicity i do have two videos on that topic for some reason that, when you said a structured that, dip i just thought of like synchronized swimming. <laughs> yeah it's like the most i i think of like a really perfectly well dipped chip yeah like you're, oh, you're like a you're a food photographer and you're just dipping yeah. chips so that, just, that's just your hunger speaking yeah. do you need a snack it is yeah i haven't had lunch so i know me too i'm also hungry yeah i'm fat i'm well, actually fasted fully so oh i thought you were about to say i'm famished <laughs> I, well i am but yeah, i am also famished I'm good i'm good though. um so michael 
this has been great. I have absolutely no doubt that you're going to be back on the podcast. So like there, I feel like at some point we need to have like a me, you and Sarah episode, which I think yeah, would be really it. fun. Um, but you'll be back. So listeners, don't worry. He'll be back on because I just have a really good feeling that people are going to love this. Um, and I if you're so. still if you're still listening and you're going, holy shit, what the fuck was half of this stuff? Good. Um, I think it's good. Just let it wash over you. And then trust me, everything works in the psyche, right? You've heard it. Yep. Don't try to make too much sense of it. Just let it soak in. Go about your time. Maybe in a few months, come back, listen to it again. If you really felt like, oh, there's something there, start exposing yourself to some of these things. Listen and go down your own rabbit hole because that's it. You have to find your own um, path. And there's like also there's so many other things that we didn't even touch on that we don't even yeah. know about that someone could find. And guess what? You're going to probably come to the same conclusions <laughs> using completely different resources, which is what makes this also cool. But anyway, Michael, the, the thing that I always end on is letting people shout out what they do. Listeners, I'm going to do it because I already know you're going to hate self-promoting yourself. So true. yeah, it is true. If you like what I'm doing you are going to absolutely love Michael's stuff. And I don't recommend people very, like I don't go out of my way to recommend people because there's a lot of creators out there that are doing good work. But when I say you are like going to the best of the best, you're interviewing some amazing, highly qualified minds. You yourself have done your own inner work and you are doing your own inner work. And listeners, if you really want to learn from someone who's very, integrated, who is going out of their way to have conversations with people that you would never normally come across. Um, Michael just has like, you know, that magic when you find someone that you're like, oh my God, I love their content. You can just go binge it all. Well, there you go. You can binge Michael and you will literally be like, whoa, this is a hidden gem. So now Michael, you can promote yourself. <laughs> I, I have nothing else to say other than that's, that's so fucking kind. That wow. will by that will by far usurp any any little trinkets that i receive later this month during christmas and yeah I, I do hope that we sowed some seeds for people in this because i know i mean sometimes i try to put myself in my own place like when i started doing this and you know how sometimes it's like drinking from a fire hose but i totally concur with what you said about how these things will like germinate and then keep yeah. coming back or you'll follow up on one or two and I'm sure we laid a couple turds in there too. For that sure. We'll but you need turds to fertilize the seeds. So there the you good go. The good and the bad, as above, so below, baby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. There it is. Um, Where can people yeah. find you? Uh, YouTube, uh, any any podcast platform. And it's Third Eye Drops. Correct. That's yeah. how you find him, folks. Yeah, my, and he's on my... Instagram, and he also is another lover of memes. So if you love a good meme page, he yeah. we even did a collaboration meme let's do another post. one let's do another we, one we, re we really should for this episode yeah it's so true yeah. um so yeah this has been great michael and now the other tradition ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you have, you sort of did it already, but I just do want to leave space for it. Do you have any final words to leave people on? No, I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so hard to like I know. sum anything up, but the anything that you perceived to be wise whatsoever in this whole podcast, understand that you yourself are connected to something a billion years older and a billion times wiser than that and that there's a lot between you and that and you'll you'll never be able to undo it all at least not in a lifetime mm -hmm. but if you aim yourself toward whatever that is you're on the right path and just believe in that mic drop that was really good that was a very good concluding remark. Well, listeners, go and follow that podcast. Go binge some third eye drops. And thanks, Michael, for being here. Thank it you was so much. it was a pleasure. That was very nice. That yes. was very nice. Thank you. All right, my lovely listener. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and Michael today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. As always, in the episode description, you will find links that will allow you to go and check out Michael's work, but you can also just search Third Eye Drops on YouTube or Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. I recommend checking out Michael on YouTube because of the incredible production quality of what he does and especially his solo episodes they're edited really well so i think you'd be missing out if you don't at least just check out his youtube first i'll also be popping my interview with michael on his podcast in the episode description too so that you can check that out so that's it for today's episode if you would like to unlock ad free episodes and full length content you can sign up to become a premium submarine today by visiting patreon.com slash back from the borderline my premium subscribers not only do they get full length ad free episodes they're getting bonus content as well so they get two episodes a week you're unlocking over a hundred hours of bonus and og back from the borderline episodes you are able to access the private Discord community and my higher tier on Patreon. In addition to all of that, my 
ultra premium submarines gain weekly voice notes from me where I get a little bit more personal about my recovery journey. So if that's something that you'd like to dive into, I would love nothing more than to welcome you into the fold of premium submarines. But if you can't afford to subscribe, I completely understand that. Thankfully, adding ads into the podcast and my sponsors help me continue making free content available for you. But there are other ways you can support my work. That's by following me on Instagram at Back From The Borderline, sharing an episode of the podcast with somebody that you love and care about, leaving me a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and following the podcast so that you are alerted each time a new episode drops. So if you could do one of those things for me, that would help me out a lot. But you just being here is enough. So I'll leave you with some parting words. Never forget, you haven't met all of you yet. Within your weakness, your inner chaos and disorder lies your greatest strength. If only you'd dare to shine a light on it and transmute it. We have to get to the point where we're willing to be the fool to begin our hero's journey. And remember, anyone, even you, can come back from the borderline. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back From The Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.